Yeah, it'll have like little things, like little cubbies on the side mm-hmm. of the. Nobody has their phone in. No, you can't. What's the address of this building? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Nellis Air Force Base. You can go. Oh, okay. You can probably find it on Google Maps. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, Shared but more it's, than it's I thought. Thing. When you were, when you were saying that, have you ever been in a meeting that was just going on and on? I just, I'd never had that experience. With port, port. Never with, with anybody in the leadership <laughs> no, role. Of, no, no, of, not one time ever. I've never had Porter Lorenzo Gold. does. <laughs> Lorenzo does get long. Lorenzo gets long winded. He it's, does. It's, <laughs> I'm like deflecting because I know this is just going to be like a fest of like, listen to how dumb my decision making is in the hunting world. So no, I'll let like no, you take no, a little bit of heat no. here. Like, it's going to be epic. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad you came. I appreciate it. On short notice, too. I didn't give you all that much notice. So I appreciate you being accommodating. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you keep looking at I haven't me funny. seen you since Christmas. Has it been really? Mm-hmm. You look hey, great. Hey, happy new year! Happy buddy. new year! Happy belated birthday! I was a very bad friend. And well, that's yeah, the one of the worst birthdays. No, I mean, oh, it's, yeah, you, could, it's, you could say it. What day? Think about what day? The 20, 24th. 24th <laughs> would be a bad one. I would say this is my brother's is the twenty third. Twenty third is better than his. Twenty fourth is not. My, my wife's is New Year's Day. New Year's Day. How am I? How am I doing? You're getting warmer. <laughs> New Year's. Thank you, Jamie. I mean, bougie boar. <laughs> if you had a microphone like I told you two podcasts ago, you could talk into it and people could hear you. Okay. Um, can you hear me better? I can hear your angelic voice. Angelic. <laughs> New Year's second. New Year's Day. People are still kind of in the holidays. Here's the thing about having a second. New Year's January second. Everybody is Toned like. Out. Over, over the holidays, over, and he's and over everyone, celebrations. Yes, parties. and then yes. he gets to have a birthday. It's like Thanksgiving, cool. I'm a Christmas fan. Then it's <laughs> Christmas. You're like, all right, that was cool, but let's let's party one more time for New Year's. New Year's Day, I feel like you could justify the midnight twelve oh one. The hey, thing about birthday. New Year's Day is like nothing's open. Like I remember, no, when, yeah, when we were in college, like it'd be her birthday, and we would go out, like try to go out to eat, and we would hit every restaurant in town. Everything's closed. Yeah, yeah that's true. I'm just like, I can make you spaghetti. <laughs> I can warm it Does up. Does that sound pretty good? Yeah. 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 I can warm up spaghetti that you made two nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, happy birthday. Leftover. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. happy birthday. Anyway, happy birthday. Love you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we got we got guests. We got special guests today. We got two of them. Two of them. Two we special do. guests. Which one do you think is more special, Brady? Scotty, for sure. Scott. Scott. 100% Scott. <laughs> you, you didn't think much about that, but. You're losing the control. <laughs> I don't understand. I know. Scotty B. I, I don't even know your last name. Butler. 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 Were you allowed yep. to say that? I hope so. I don't know. I, I looked on your Instagram page and it said Scotty B. And I was like, oh, mm. I wonder wonder if he keeps that under, yep. ra- under wraps. The, uh, that is the entirety of my social media footprint is is that one thing that my wife forced me to get maybe three or four years ago because we have kids. And she's mm-hmm. like, you're missing out on their life. I'm like, well, but I'm living with them. Yeah, I feel like, like you're <laughs> living with them every day. I'm, I'm engaged. Yeah, yeah. I read that one a story before bedtime. So, That's right. So yeah. I'm glad we took a picture. Mm. What's your yeah. name? Uh, Daniel. Yeah. Scotty, Scotty Daniel. Scotty Daniel Willer. Yep, that's your social? It. That's it. You want my social? You guys want credit card numbers too? Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> there's a bright light shining right now. Do you, not, right follow, now, do you not follow him on social? You What? You don't follow him on social? No, I asked for his social security number. Oh. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, no, I follow him on social. Gotcha. Um, if we ask questions that are too past the line of your field of expertise, you can just let us know. But we are, we're definitely curious. About certain things, you guys maybe explain ask. his background. Yeah, so Scott's a friend to go hunt first and foremost. I would say uh, yes. Scott knows. I met Scott through Porter. You guys have been friends for a while. 
We'll we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll do a full rundown. Ooh, I like that. I like yeah. where that's going. Let's 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 hold. We want to hit. We want to hit a couple topics before we like formally get going. And I, we sure. got we got lots of questions. Aliens, all kinds of stuff. Yes, can't, <laughs> can't wait for that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You thought you came to talk about yeah. hunting and like getting into yeah. hunting? Are we really? Hunting really? Aliens? We just want like, to know. Okay. Yeah. Really, we just want to know aliens. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Expect answers. Hard answers. Done. Um, I guess before we get really going, we wanted to we want to do something like a little bit new, new yeah. for us, I guess. But we wanted to to just talk. We had so much feedback. We had Newberg on the podcast. Newberg highlighted uh, some things for us and for uh, people that listen to the podcast. Basically, just how can they get involved in conservation? Because there seems to be so many issues. I think there always has been. I just think maybe we've, they've been kind of flying under a lot of our radar. And a lot of us, myself included, admittedly. I've been uh, a little bit lax in going out and finding information and also just knowing what to do and when. So we kind of wanted to highlight a few things that are pressing issues. Uh, one of them being, I guess I should say, I think one of the best platforms to get information like this is How. Yep, How for Wildlife. How for Wildlife. Um, super cool website. If you guys click on that, uh, it's got a link there of the issues that are kind of pressing. And it also has links from each individual story that they've highlighted that you can go in and find the comments links so you can submit comments. Yeah. It makes it very easy to submit comments to these agencies, to whatever things going on to Super easy. fight for our rights. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the best avenues to get involved is just to, you know, read those, read up, educate yourself on the issues pressing at hand. And then if you have the opportunity to submit feedback, submit feedback. And it may not work out in your favor, but I think if the more of us that, that do it, the better the likelihood, the better the outcome that good things happen for hunters and for wildlife. So, 100%. so with that, a couple of them that I wanted to highlight that are pressing. Uh, I wanted to highlight this one primarily because it's coming up uh, for your last day to comment would be the 12th. So this is going to drop the 11th. Mm. You'll have that day and the next day, Friday, the 12th to comment. And this is... Uh, a couple of proposals uh, in Alaska, Proposal 3 and Proposal 38, which would essentially uh, eliminate non-resident hunting in Units 21D, 22, 23, 24B, uh, 24C, 24D, and 26A. Uh, I hunted Unit 23 a few years ago. Oh, we did it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did We did a film on it, uh, which was, it was awesome. That was an incredible hunt, a hunt of a lifetime for me. Um, saw a ton of caribou. We, we had all... Killed caribou is a really fun hunt. Um, but essentially, yeah, this proposal would, if if passed, would eliminate non-resident hunting. Um, do you want to explain non-resident for a second? Do you want to take a stab at it? Well, it's not what people are probably thinking, non-resident. Yeah. I mean, it's literally residents of Alaska can't even hunt there and non-residents, just mm -hmm. subsistence. Sub subsistence. Hunters. It's a hard one to say. Yeah, they always, I was talking about that. It was a mustache. That's why I wanted to do it, but... Yeah, so it's not just a non-resident resident thing. It's a subsistence hunt. I saw this popping up on social recently. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a huge change, but like I'm learning right now too. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's what's the driving force about this? Because caribou populations are insanely healthy, from what I uh, lower. I mean, this is the uh, this is the Western Arctic caribou herd um, historically. Populations have been a lot higher. Like it okay. is lower. We're down to like 164,000, I think is the one okay. I, I read on Alaska Game and okay. Fish website, which is down from what they would like to see. I think from the information that I could gather and read, they would like to see that population closer to, you know, 200, 350,000, mm -hmm. yeah. which is what it has been historically. Um, 
it's interesting though because if you look at the data and you read different stories, um, kind of the driving force behind that is uh, adult cow survival mortality. I mean, it looks like your calving rate is down a little bit. Your yearling survival rate is kind of on par. It's good. Bull to cow ratio is good. So you're, you're essentially kind of showing some issues with adult cow survival, which is your reproducing demographic of that population, right? And they're trying to figure out why. They don't really know exactly why. They don't know. I mean, there's probably some climate change issues that are mm-hmm. going on. You know, herds aren't migrating in the same areas that they used to. And I think a lot of the driving force are these subsistence hunters saying, hey, these caribou are not where they historically have been. Mm. We can't, you know, harvest the caribou that we need to subsist. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they're basically saying we think it's non-resident hunters, you know, they're disturbing these migration routes. Um, Mm. and just some statistics, non-resident hunters average, I looked at it, it was from like 2014 or 2016 to 2024. They're killing about an average of 260 bulls, bull only, primarily bulls, um, total non-resident hunters. So two, 260. It's going to be my next question. I mean, the number of actual harvests cannot be that two, high. 260. Subsistence hunters average between 10,000 and 14,000. So those subsistence hunters two can harvest as many as five a day. So, so we're not really solving the problem then of increasing the density of the population then? We're not really. And that's the thing is it's like how do you increase, the, how do you increase populations? Like... The more I dive down these rabbit holes, I mean, whether you're talking mule deer or caribou, um, so much of it is like mother nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't think that eliminating non-resident hunters, which are, like I said, on average killing, you know, 260 bulls per year, is not the driving force in population decline, mm. for sure. So for me, if I look at this, and I'm a little bit biased because I want to hunt caribou, I'm a non-resident, right? Um it's it's a loss of opportunity for for me as a non-resident. So I'm without the problem being solved. Without the problem being solved. If we have to sacrifice for the greater good for a couple of years sure. or whatever, that makes sense. But like this sure. is like yeah, it's just doesn't like a, a doing specific group. Yeah. Not, what's the revenue loss? Oh, it'll be pretty massive. Yeah, not not just in tag sales, but you, you have all those um, you know, transporters, transporters, bed and breakfast, all, all, yeah, yeah, bread and breakfast, stuff. grocery stores, all that stuff. You know, all that travel, everything associated with it. I was just going to ask if you guys had entertained a dumb question. <clears throat> There's going to be a theme here of dumb questions. So like, uh, uh, From was, us towards you. No. <laughs> so get ready. I was, I was About gonna, aliens. I was yeah. going to ask. Well, your original, your opening was, you know, that they think that the non-resident <clears throat> hunters are pushing the herd into places mm-hmm. they shouldn't be. And so then my natural thought was, so is it the airplanes that are flying the non-resident hunters in? Or is it the footprint of the people that are back there? Is that part of their argument to do that? Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. And yeah. Then, and essentially, yeah, the way I understand it is that all of the above that you mentioned is is essentially disrupting caribou migration okay. to areas that they would have historically, you know, migrated. But um, no, I should say everything that I've read, none of the science suggests that any of the issue is directly related to non-resident hunting, yeah. which is, like I said, primarily bulls. But um, I bring this all up to say in the grand scheme of things, like if caribou hunting is something you're interested in hunting in general, I would say non-resident hunting in any state, uh, comments, you know, read, read up on it, read everything you can find. Um, you know, hopefully if you're listening to this, I gave you just a, a blip into it. So do some reading and take the opportunity to comment we can drop a link. Uh, I know we also just did a social post the other day yep. and dropped a link. 
Yeah. So be aware of that. Like I said, I wanted to highlight that one because it's coming up on the 12th. That's a good tip. Yeah. We talked in our meeting. We, we want to do more, too, internally <clears throat> mm-hmm. to figure that out. I mean, I've we've been doing this, what, 10 years or whatever? It feels hot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, <laughs> yeah, it's it's scary. Like, mm-hmm. we could lose a lot of rights over the next five to 10 years if we're not careful. Yeah. And there's, you know, you've had, we've talked a little bit about wolves in Colorado. There's another one that's potentially coming up in uh, November of 2024, which should eliminate feline hunting. So mountain lions, um, bobcats. Feral, feral cats. John from how John, <laughs> feral cats. How for wildlife. He made a post the other day about everyone's complaining about the wolf thing in Colorado, but the time to complain or comment was mm-hmm. in 2020. I thought that that resonated with me. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> yeah. what Trail and I talk about daily. That yeah. everyone's so fired up right now and trying to divide people about like calling people out. Yeah. When it's like, no, you guys should have been upset about this a long time ago. Right. That's why you should be upset right now about the. Mountain lion thing in Colorado. Start voicing your opinions. We're voicing opinions about this thing in Alaska. Like exactly now. Yeah, all you can. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not uh, like scot free of this kind of stuff because, like, I, I have not done due diligence at all. Yep. Like, I, I've been pretty like, yeah, you know, it's that NIMBY, not in my backyard. You know, we talk a lot about that in natural resources. We got an acronym for it. I thought, have I you like heard that, that one? I like that. I had not heard Military's that. Military's got none of those. I know that. NIMBY's, we're going to add that oh, to the repertoire. Ha- do you not have that one? No, that's brand new to me. Yeah, not in my NIMBY. backyard. Not in my that's backyard. A, that's a natural resource like associated. You're yeah. welcome to use it. Yeah. I think yeah. I will. You can borrow it. You're going to sound really smart. You yeah. Get to me. <laughs> this, this has been transformational already. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's like that not in my backyard syndrome. Like it's just not happened to me. I'm okay. I got my tag and I'm going here and there. But I mean, reality is all this stuff is kind of leaking in no matter where you live. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Colorado, I never thought I'd see a day when, you know, we'd be considering putting mountain lion bobcat hunting to a ballot vote and then using that as your precedence. Like we're going to manage wildlife based on a popular vote. Yep, scary trend. Yeah, yeah, which is a it's a shitty trend. I hate it. It just so, sucks. It shouldn't, so, shouldn't be the way. So here's something I want to read because every time I've ever posted about this stuff on social, I always say like, well, I might not ever hunt Washington, but I keep supporting, you know, Washington spring bear season. I keep doing all this voicing all the time. Like you just said, like people think it's not in your state, so you don't have to worry about I, it. I saw one for uh, on uh, Hal's website for um, offering feedback in support of a black bear hunt in Louisiana. Yeah. I've never been to Louisiana, Yeah, but suddenly it, I'm like, yeah. yeah. You on board with that? Yeah. 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 Should, I mean, I should. You should, <laughs> you should look at it and be comment. So here's a, here's a quote that I shared it back last year, but it's from Conservation Coalition of Washington. They summed it up perfectly. All right. Not sure who exactly did this there, but whoever did, kudos to them. First, they came for the California hunters, and I did not speak out because I was not a California hunter. Then they came for the Washington hunters, and I did not speak out because I was not a Washington hunter. Then they came for the Colorado hunters, and I did not speak out because I was not a Colorado hunter. Then they came from my state, and there was no one left to speak for me. Mm. There you go. You have to support hunting all across all the states. Even if you're never going to go there, you need to still stand up, sport, drop your comments in. Yeah. Because we're all hunters at the end of the day. Yep. Anyway, so we, I did. I, I just wanted to hit that up top because I thought it was important to get more involved and make people more aware. And we did have a lot of feedback of people reaching out saying, I don't know what to do. So I wanted to give you guys a little bit I of love a, that. We might want, we could take like 10 minutes of every episode or something sure. and yeah. do like a hot mm-hmm. take. I'm, I'm like the same 
It's like people commenting to you guys on social and stuff of like what to do, what to do. Like yeah, mm-hmm. and, and also we should say too the Coloradans, Coloradans for responsible wildlife yeah. management. Definitely check out their yeah, website. And and we're going to try to get can. those guys on a podcast when we're uh, in Salt Lake, so yep. at the Hunt Expo. So we'll, we'll get those guys, and I'm sure we'll spend them <clears throat> all the time talking about issues like this. So anyway, with that, we're going to roll right into the next portion of the podcast, the main event, the man, the myth, the legend, um, aliens. Here we go. People I would, still have no idea who this guy is. We're yeah. 15 minutes in. I'm supposed That's, to hit promo code within five minutes, I've been told by marketing. Oh. So I'm 10 minutes late. Do you want to hit us with a promo real quick, and then we'll we'll really dive deep? Let's rip us with the promo code. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just going to put it right on me like that. But, yeah. It's late, application, on, late on you. It's application season. You guys need to you know do some research, as you guys all know. Hopefully, you use it. It's promo code podcast. When you sign up for an insider membership, we're going to give you 50 points back to the Going Gear Shop. One point is one dollar, and uh, like I said, it's application season. But the biggest thing I want to talk about in conjunction with this, why well, you should definitely check it out, is we just launched a brand new feature to the Go Hunt app. Pretty groundbreaking feature. It's now we have filtering and research tools. Porter looks like a proud dad over there. And, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I knew you were going to do that. Like, we launched, we launched like today. If his, like yeah, if today. one of his girls just got a citizenship <laughs> award in school, this is the same look I would see on Porter's face over there. He's got yeah. the lips. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? yeah. So basically, day, like sure. I said, filtering and research tools in the GoHunt app. So in the mobile app. So now you can literally research 24-7. 365 at your fingertips, more than a map, comprehensive yeah. hunting app. We did we did that for Scott so he can research while he's flying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I may have had a sneak peek like what like Friday. Today's the launch day of that actual yeah. capability. Yeah. So you, you let keep, me see it like what a couple days early. I was yeah. on the road this weekend with my kids. We were going up to Utah to go skiing. I, did I you go spent, Brian Head? I did. You didn't stop in? Well, I didn't have the invite, bud. But now, <laughs> NIMBY. You're always invited. NIMBY. Um, <laughs> I spent hours on that this weekend. I was texting you the whole time. You have great feedback. I shared that, by the way, on Slack. You did, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. It was, uh, it was all Wyoming. It was yeah. just the, that, I guess, window just opened. And so mm-hmm. I was just, yeah. we were, when I was jamming on it, trying to, trying to get smart. Yeah, nice. So super sweet. I'm uh, pumped that we can use it in the app now. We research all the time. 100%. And like, when... We, the first main feature we did in the app was maps, which is a very technically difficult thing to build, right? Yeah. And now adding other features to it that are not necessarily mapping based just to make it a full hunting app. And so there's the roadmap's pretty packed. It's, it's, it's fun. You can people little, are stoked. You see all the, oh, the comments for today were crazy. Right. You can now use it, you know, all year, which is the greatest thing too. It's not just during the, in the field. It's not just for scouting. I have a purpose to use it right now during app season. When you're sitting around doing anything with some family, maybe you're... You could you use know, it, on, you could do, use it on a date, Brady. You've been on yeah. a date lately? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we saw, like, people... We'll get that one later. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was built for, for like, desktop web, right? Yeah. But 60% of our traffic was people using it on their phone. Mm-hmm. And we're like, do we need to build it where they are, right? And people obviously want to use it on their phone for whatever reason. Um, convenience, obviously, mm-hmm. is probably number one. But uh, yeah, yeah, so just so. to be clear, you've got if you got the Go Hunt app, you, you got it on your phone, yep. which is historically it's been a mapping app, right? Yep. So now you've got an icon that says what research? It says research. Yep. This is the middle button. Middle button. You just click on research, and it's going to take you to the opportunity to filter, right? And use the yep. fi- use the filters. Yep. Which is and in two seconds, you just pull up what Colorado mm-hmm. deer, plug in your points, whether you have some or no points, 
elk over the counter and you can start to filter by the criteria that's important to you very quickly. Yeah. And the big thing is no matter whether you're a super experienced hunter, this saves you a lot of time or a newbie hunter like Scott, which we want your perspective is like showing them opportunities they had just had no idea about. Mm-hmm. It was actually like, it was very, very easy. My, I have an 11 year old son. He's never been on a hunt. I mean, he's iPhone savvy ish. Um, he doesn't have a phone. Dad won't let him have his own phone, but how, how old? He's 11. How? I handed him my phone. He's I, a very strict father. I, hope I was going to yeah. say, how old before you get a phone? Here, here we go. Yeah. So <laughs> 18, like, it'll be co- like a high school gift when they go to college. No, but I handed him, I handed him the app and I was just like, Hey bud, we're looking at Wyoming right now. And he, to your point trail, he's just like, boom, there's that. And he's like, what do you want? Where, where are we talking about? I was like, go to Wyoming. You know, and the next screen pops up. It's like Wyoming. And it's like this. And then he started, he's like, what's trophy potential. I was like, here we go. And it just, it was mm-hmm. easy. And it, and the desktop app was open because we had like a computer nearby and it was the Wyoming app strategy oh, yeah. article. And so as a guy that's never been to Wyoming to be, you know, to go hunting, I'm trying to learn about, you know, the West, South, East region, what units are in there and what are the draws? Cause mm-hmm. you know, I have next to zero points. So it's like, what's the, is this a lottery or whatever? I'm sure we'll get into that, but it was wildly easy. And I was like, boom, boom, boom. And you know, sent you some feedback on, on yeah, things. Great from feedback. A, well, I don't know about that, but it was definitely like here's some some hurdles I came across just farting around with it. Nice. Yeah, it was good. And that was one of the reasons we want to have you on today, among among others. Like I said, you're your friend. We've uh we I've been on a hunt with you. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting about Scott? I take people typically on like face value, like that first interaction, and I was like, I like this guy. Oh. Like straight out straight out the gate, I like Scott. Good, good dude. I could tell. So I, I was, I was appreciate. I appreciate that you're you, very good. You said guy. yes. Well, Chris, Chris, like pre-briefed me. He's like, don't, don't embarrass me. For like, yeah, these, guys, these, are, these guys are, these guys are killers. Him. These guys <laughs> yeah. know what they're doing. Just act yeah. like you've been there before, please. Yeah, I, I've been on a hunt with them too. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Oh, you guys Animal went, went, went on. We, we did. smoked a giant. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly. a fun hunt. Yeah. But you're, you're somewhat new to hunting, right? I am. Yeah. For first hunt was 2020, fall of 2020. Okay. Yeah. And so would you call yourself an adult onset hunter? Is that what that's for sure? Adult onset hunter, (laughs) which has, that has consequences too. When you're married and you have a family and Mm -hmm. and this is not something you grew up doing, certainly wasn't around at the beginning of your marriage. It was like, Hey babe, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Utah for like a week. Probably not going to have cell reception. Anyway, love you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Is she she a little bit used to that though? Give us some some background on who you are, where you're from. What do you do? Uh, Okay. So front of Chris is, uh, I live in Vegas here. I'm in the air force. Uh, I'm a pilot for the air force. What Um, what do you fly? I fly F-16s. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those sound effects don't usually happen uh, in other waiting. places. Yeah. Um, you're going to just, that's going to be your, you, do I need, you're going to be humble, Scott? No. Well, I need I'm, to exp- explain gonna, who you really are? Yeah. I would like the real version, not your your uh, Hollywood version. But <laughs> no, but, you know, active duty guy. I've been in the Air Force for almost 20 years now. Um, went to went to the Academy in 2000. Went to pilot training after I graduated been lucky and fortunate been stationed overseas a few places a couple of combat deployments and and um been flying basically the whole time and for those that don't know you know vegas has a, a massive air force base and it's it's pretty much the center of tactical aviation for the u.s air force and really yeah it is the whole nation yeah porter's heard this joke before but like i you know the u.s navy got Jerry Bruckheimer and they made some pretty entertaining films. And it's like super awesome. And everybody's like, thinks that the pinnacle of tactical aviation is like the U S Navy. Mm. I'm like, their job is to control the sea. And yeah, airplanes are a part of that, but, um, <laughs> it's that, you know, it's, 
I'm going to say something it'll probably get me in trouble, but I'm not on social, so I don't care. It's like, it's a little bit like asking a PGA pro to like go to miniature golf. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> but like, don't you think you're a little bit biased because you're from the Air Force? Like I Top Gun be. seems very legit to me. I could be, yeah. And Top Porter's, Gun. Porter's, Wait, Porter's, Porter's poking the, the bear. He's poking the bear right now. <laughs> well, Top Gun is... You, said that, you, you think me, the movie Top Gun seems pretty legit? Let me is that it, what we're saying? In layman's wow. terms, Top Gun <laughs> is, is, is all these pilots. Mm-hmm. And he's what he's saying is that's out of the Navy. Mm-hmm. He's out of the Air Force, which you would think Air Force is... Yeah. Yeah, know, so where I, the best pilots are, but the Navy thinks. So we have a schoolhouse. This is like a lesson. This is like fair because it's not about me. It's more about the 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 Air Force. We run a school out at Nellis, right? It's a it's called the U.S. Air Force Weapons School. It's a syllabus. It's a six month long flying, really leadership course where there you have to apply. There's like an application. There's not a strategy. There's no apps that can help you with it. Um, no drones. But, you, you know, we bring in pilots and intel officers and, you know, people from all different walks of Air Force life to Nellis and, and they volunteer for that opportunity and it's highly selective. And then you, for six months, become like a subject matter expert in your chosen platform. Um, you have to already have been serving for five to seven years. You've already had to separate yourself from your peers before you can even apply. And then of that, we kind of filter that down even further. And then there's about a 20-ish or so percent attrition ratio for the guys that come through. So, you know, does the Navy have a school like that? They sure do. It's called Top Gun, and, and that's what the movie is based on. Um, I've, I don't want to be disparaging. I got flown with a lot of Navy guys. Um, I did Navy flight school for the first six months of my flying life. They're really, really good pilots. Um, they have good stuff. They are, they are capable guys and, and smart. But just from a scale perspective, it's, it's totally different, right? The U.S. Air Force's job is to fly. Mm-hmm. And, uh it's called the Air Force. Their school started out being six weeks long, if memory serves, and then it's kind of graduated to about ten weeks now. Is every that's a standard Top Gun class? Might be twelve. I'm sure somebody in the comments will correct me. Ours is six months long. Hmm. Um, hmm. So it's just it's just an order of magnitude different. And then because of Nevada and because of the airspace we get to fly in, and the, you know the the amount of resources we throw at it. I mean, each student that graduates weapons school, we spend about six million bucks on, you know, fuel and bombs and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, my career is taking a lot of different turns. They can turns. take off on ships, though. Have you actually taken yeah, never off done or landed that. on a Never done that. <laughs> seems hard. <laughs> so speak. No, speak. Anytime I want to get under your skin, I just He's talk going, about how the Navy's Do you know why you can't? He's going too fast. That's right. Yes. You can't go I slow. I like runways that don't move. I, I like when, top, when the new Top, Gang, top Gun come out, came I'm out, on Scott's, I was like, I'm on Scott's dude, side. this movie, so legit. Have you ever flown? Like, do you, can you fly that well? And he's just, he just gets, <laughs> so the class, like the class in that movie is like their equivalent of the weapons school. The Air Force is, is probably higher rated or whatever it's the air force right but yeah. he ran that that school literally at now for a couple of years that's right. he's he's not gonna brag about himself but i'll brag for him he's probably a top three pilot we have in our entire air force he's got security clearance that people at the pentagon don't have he's in, in this room right been now deployed yeah he, bougie board might have a higher clearance than him but i i have his i have his cell phone number yeah i can't yeah he's can been deployed him. Can you talk about where you were deployed? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Where so, were you deployed? I mean, last summer. Um, I had to watch Operation, your kids. Operation Iraqi Freedom was, I think, the first one. So that was, you know, Iraq. Um, How old were you when you were? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. This is 2009, I think. So gotcha. it was a 28. Well, wow. 28 at the time. Um, when you graduate flight school, 
the U.S. Air Force, you know, they love to grade everything that you do. Um, and it's a merit-based system for the most part. So, you know, everybody goes to pilot training, get your license to fly, and then they everybody flies the same thing for about six months. You're getting graded, and at the end of that six months, they go, hey, what do you want to what do you want to fly? And then you put in your dream sheet, and you're like, hey, man, I want to fly, you know, cargo planes full of rubber dog shit. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and then you probably have to edit that out. I'm sorry. And then, Is that what we're dropping now? Yeah. <laughs> no, so you, you know, you pick your airplanes, and, and um, if you're – graduating uh, order in your class is high enough, then, they, then they'll then hook you up, right? So then the track kind of separates. You either go fly. Um, what's, what's like the hierarchy of, of planes that somebody would want to fly? Generally generally speaking, um, you know, there are a couple guys that will graduate at the top of their pilot training class and on tracks like they'll, they'll choose to go fly. Um, you know, C-17s are big cargo airplanes mm -hmm. or, or refuelers or stuff because that's what they gravitate towards. Generally speaking, I think that at least when I was going through the the higher your graduating order, the more likely you were to go to fighters or bombers. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, the, the pass diverge, you go fly a different jet, it's faster, it's a, you know, a jet trainer, or you go fly um, like a Learjet looking thing. You do that for another six months, they grade you again. And then at the end of that year, 15 month process, they go, hey, what fighter or what bomber do you want to fly? Hmm. And their contract is if you graduate, at least when I went through, if you graduate at the top of your class, so number one, They'll give you whatever you whatever you ask for, mm -hmm. and then everybody else is kind of the needs of the Air Force at the time. Then you go off to F sixteen school. That takes you know twelve ish months, or actually nine months, I think. And then you get your first operational squadron. For me, that was Germany. I deployed while I was in Germany over to Iraq, um, and then got stationed here at Nellis, where I where I met this fine man sitting next to me. <laughs> Um, and then from here deployed a few other times. So went to Pakistan once, um, which is not a lot of great hunting. I heard Lorenzo once talk about going on a pretty <laughs> awesome sheep hunt in like the and northern I, regions and of that. You immediately said that's I was, not I was safe. Like, hey, but I don't know you very well, but like let's what what? <laughs> like where are you going? Shouldn't, um, shouldn't South Korea. Yeah. Uh, then uh did a remote assignment. So I got asked to um you know, I got a chance to go to weapons school as a student, which was phenomenal um, in that time frame there. And then I got asked to be an instructor um, at weapons school and I hadn't been remote. And so I volunteered to go to Korea for a year, which the family stays here and you go overseas for a year, which mm -hmm. is pretty tough. I have a, an awesome wife who's extremely tough and capable. So she, she held the four down, had two kids at the time, came back, taught at weapons school for a few years and then uh, off to Rhode Island for some developmental education for about 11 months. It was the only time I've been out of the cockpit in my my 20 years. Um, came back, got a chance to be a commander out at weapons school um, of the same squadron I went through when I was a student, which was unbelievable. Two more kids at some point. Yeah, got four I finally figured out how that nice. happens, and then we're uh, I think <laughs> we're good. Math. I think we're good now. Um, <laughs> There's no You're population. Really that, there's no population density problem in, in my herd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, if you're from Utah, we could add two more. But yeah, in Utah, Mike, that's not. I'm not even that's in the right. conversation. This that's is like, right. It's a baby Just getting stuff. going up for. And then you traveled a couple summers ago. Yeah. So then the Ukrainian the Ukrainian conflict kicked off, and then um, uh, volunteered to go over there and try to help out a little bit. So I did that for about five months last summer. That's what Porter and. You know, his family were looking in on my crew while I was gone, which was great to have a you know network of guys around here. What's and it? Then, what's it like flying an F sixteen? Like how how do you describe it? Uh, in a word, fast. Um, <laughs> really, I wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> how, how fast does one go? 
she's on paper she's Mach two capable, so it's about thirteen hundred ish miles an hour, depending on your your altitude. This is she. Um, yeah, you gotta treat her nicely, right? We were. I'll, get, I'll Thir- give you perspective. Thirteen hundred. Yeah, we're driving from Vegas. It, it must be so boring driving for you, <laughs> is it? Yes. Like if you're doing eighty five <laughs> yes. on a freeway, it must seem like you're stopped. It's more frustrating when you're oh, like, you're like, dude, I- he's constantly looking in the sky. But yeah. then it, but so we were driving through from Vegas through Grand Junction, and then you hit, you know, like in between Grand Junction and was it Rifle? Mm-hmm. You go through that little canyon yep. stuff. He's like, oh, I I flew this a couple years ago. This is great. And I was like, oh, were you were you like out at the Colorado base? Like, no, no, out of Nellis. I'm like. <laughs> How long does it take you to get from here to Nellis? Would you say 35 minutes or something? We had a tank that day, so we took off. Yeah, it was like 12 minutes or something like that. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. I was in total How long? No, seriously. From Grand Junction to Nellis is like 30-something minutes? I don't remember that one. It's less than an hour, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. The Tonopah one, because you guys know where Tonopah is, right? That drive is seven and a half hours. Yeah, That's blowing my mind. And you would go, you so a drive. Yeah, we had to actually meet a tanker that day. So we took off on an LS, we had to get some gas, and then we were then we left the tanker. So that slowed us down because we had to get some, we had to stop for a pit stop. And then uh, 1,300 miles an hour. That's like the top end speed. That's yeah, not, but I mean, still like, that's... normal fighting airspeed, you're probably around, you know, you're 400 ish knots. So you're 450 ish miles an hour. The most fun thing to do is fly low and fast, which is a, how, uh, how far up off the ground are we talking? Um, I'm, I'm qualified to hundred feet. So oh, dang. That, that's, that'll get your blood. That'll get your blood pumping uh, hundred feet and 500 miles an hour is moving. When he's, he's had been a couple times when he's been deployed, you were in your plane for like seven hours straight and the plane is like, yeah. Yeah. It's like a little indie car. The longest one I did, at the, I think at the time I had for our squadron, at least on that deployment, I had the record for the longest one. Cause we had a bunch of bad weather rolling to Iraq and, at, the, at that point, we had a bunch of army guys on the ground at different bases, and they were, you know, they were getting socked in. So we were just kind of bebopping around, trying to provide them support um, while they were trying to get back to their bases in this mm. big dust storm. So then everybody landed, and then like the runways got bad, so there was nowhere to land. So we were just kind of getting gas from a tanker. That one was a that was a nine and a half hour <sighs> sortie, and so you add about an hour of sitting in the airplane before and after takeoff. We diverted into some random little place, and I landed. My like I was so my I was my legs had fallen asleep because like yeah. you're know, sitting oh, in this gosh. thing. I just yeah, like picked out. my leg up and threw it over the side of the jet, and then you felt the blood rush back into your leg. I was like, I'm gonna need a second before I come down there. So it was a it was a long day. Do you want to hear something totally random? Totally. I, I've never, I want to tell you this on the podcast. Completely and totally random. It, it involves flying and involves F-16s and Brady and me. <laughs> so we're talking about dating earlier. You fly. I, I recently went on a date with a girl who's an F-16 pilot based out of here. So I might need to ask you if you know her. Let's take, you this, probably one, do. Let's take this one off camera, but yeah. it's not a large community. So I'm sure I've met yeah, her so or know her. I'm sure yeah. she'll never listen to this podcast. So I'm just going to bring sorry, it up. Sorry, Brady. It's not going well. If she's not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Pull up her hand profile and just let's yeah, yeah. see if we have visual recognition. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We, small world. It is a small, small world. world. It is a very small world. Um, we won't say your name on the podcast, yeah, but so. just turn your computer after and I'll be we like, yeah. just do this. <laughs> sure. Whether, okay. So I, thought, I figured I'd just tell you that. We can talk off air and I can ask you about her. For sure. Get the intel. If she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I have questions about where this relationship is going. Exactly. So, she should. Like, she on her to. behalf or his? Maybe both. I mean, you're clearly interested in flying jets. So, like, you know. I, I, was, I was like trailer when I was on a date. I was asking so many questions. It was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Do, do you have your own plane? 
Is it like your your plane? You get you've... your name. You get your name on the side of a jet. Um, that tradition started way back in World War II. Say Scotty on it. What's it, your call sign? It says it says your rank and then your name and your call sign in the middle and then and then that's it. Do you have like any cool painting on it, like shark teeth, like those, like the World War II? Some of those are out there. Ours are not. Ours are. It? So the tail flash. So if you look uh-huh. at any U.S. Air Force jet fighters, the top of the tail um, has the letters of the base it's stationed at, and then there's like a color scheme on top of it. And ours is. Ours out there. We're, we're the 16th Weapon Squadron. We're the Tomahawks. So we have a, uh, our slogan is red for blood and black for death. And they have a red and black checkered paint scheme on the top of it. So it's pretty cool. Red for blood, <laughs> black for death. There you Dang. go. That'll get me some street cred with the boys that you guys keep. You guys start saying that. That'll be money. I thought you were cool before, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are cool. I can't wait to start peppering red you guys with questions. Red for blood, black for death. Yeah. I think I'm I'm going to a tattoo place just after yeah. this. I gotta get that. <laughs> Dude, when I'm we were kidding. hunting in Colorado, like this is this is two e, what, last year. He's like brand brand new to hunting, right? Mm-hmm. He went on my elk hunt this year and he's like getting the hang of it. But he was awkwardly comfortable and very good at turning up animals in his binos. And this oh. is a guy who's been hunting like maybe his third time. Mm-hmm. Last year we were there in Colorado on my deer hunt, and I remember going like. Dude, how do you know how to navigate this well? How do you know how to pick up, you know, deer and binos from fifteen hundred yards away, mm-hmm. two thousand yards away, like this? And Lorenzo looks looks at me. He's like, "Dude, he's been hunting humans for twenty years." And I'm like, <laughs> "Balance." But there, there is absolutely elements where he is not new. Yeah, hunting. That, might, is, be, that is, might be revisionist to, history. To that regard, what is it that makes a good pilot, like a good fighter pilot? Um, I was thinking about this yesterday in preparation for this podcast, just like the because. You know, you were like, we're going to fire some questions at you. And I was like, all right, <laughs> this is going to get weird. Um, I didn't give you the questions, though. I just... I, I think s- flying-wise, there's a lot of cor- corollaries. Like the mission planning and the preparation. The You know, the Undy King is sitting next to me here. But the logistics... <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, like where are you? Sorry, I just fighter pilot in the undie. King. That's my boy right there. Yeah, that one's sticking in. It just hit. <laughs> no, but you guys. I mean, you guys said it on a couple podcasts ago, right? Like the logistical. You you enjoy the logistical aspect of of planning a hunt, right? Where you're gonna where you're gonna camp, where you're gonna get water. You know what the travel time is from point A to point B. All of that's very similar to flying, right? Like mm-hmm. how much fuel do I have? Where am I navigating? Who's coming with me? When I get there, if I get into trouble, what am I gonna do? Having a plan is is really what separates. It's sort of like, you know, an analogy in in sports sometimes is people talk about the speed with which like that athlete's just like operating at a different level. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's because they've seen it before. And so it just looks like they're faster, but really they're just a step ahead because they're reacting. In the flying game, stuff's happening too fast for you to just like get mm-hmm. airborne and then figure it out, right? So you have to prep, you have to be discipline in your approach to to get out there which is one of the reasons i think i when i got exposed to hunting i was like man this is this is a lot of fun i mean chris is being like overly complimentary about like Mm. my glass and skills but it was um yeah i also have the luxury of like i get this inroad to like 75 years of hunting experience at the table right and so Mm. in colorado when i when i met trail you probably don't even remember this but we were sitting there you sent us to uh, a knob trail and i went to Mm -hmm. somewhere to go glass and when we got up there you were like hey i'm gonna go over here and we were looking across a little stretch of private, and there was like a valley on the other side, and we found a herd of mm-hmm. elk when we were looking for deer, which I guess is somewhat common. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, with the naked eye, were like, oh, yeah, there's a couple bulls in there. I mean, they were like 800 yards away. And I was like, I got pretty decent eyes. <laughs> I was like, what? And mm-hmm. you, you said something about how to spot bull elk, 
in a herd based on the color of their hide, right? right. Like, hey, look for a little bit more mm -hmm. blonde. I've never forgotten that. So mm -hmm. like you say, hey, it's like easy, but what you're leaving out is that like when we were leaving the trailhead that day, I'm peppering you and Lorenzo with dumb questions about like, hey, how do you, are you glassing for movement? Are you glassing for antlers? Are you it's looking true. at the top of the, the tree line? So it's not like I went out there by myself and just was like getting lucky. It was like, I was trying to ask some intelligent questions because I'm still shocked when you guys throw glass up, like on this year's hunt when I was helping you, I can turn up an animal. I can't score an animal. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm like, Lorenzo, do you see that deer over there? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Big, what, small. Yeah, how old mm -hmm. is it? Yeah. And you probably don't remember. Remember the first, remember we were scouting your Nevada elk? And the first hill we walked up on. So Porter Porter takes me to Nevada. This is this is your broken bull hunt, right? Yeah. But before, this is, this is this scouting. Is, we were scouting in August. Yeah. And I literally have never done it. So, you know. That was like the very first time you ever like. For sure. I'm borrowing gear. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going up. He's like, dude, we're going to smash and grab. We'll get out of town. We'll, we'll, we'll get up early we'll glass that morning that night maybe the following morning then we'll be back in vegas i'm like sounds good so we hike up some some steep knob or whatever and he's like all right just look over there and i you know put my pack down i get my glasses out and then porter's like hyperventilating like 10 seconds later he's like whoa oh. sound like, nice and i was like what and he's like look and i you know there's six bulls on this hillside and it wasn't the broken bull that you found but we turned up <laughs> big elk dude it was that real long it was like a 370 380 bolt mm -hmm. that within 12 seconds of glass on the eyes you know it's like the first spot you look mm -hmm. it's, always amazing. it's always amazing how sometimes the first spot you look you can oh find so God, it was such a stud bull and i remember going scotty <laughs> you might never see a bigger bull in your life just look at that thing and enjoy it <laughs> take it in yeah, that's true take it in. that's true so i mean i guess back to your question it's it's all of those things it's the planning it's the preparation it's the um it's the commitment to doing it right mm -hmm. you can't just like wake up on a you know friday morning and decide you're going to go hunting and expect to be successful the same is true of flying so it must take incredible amount of discipline i would think to have gotten to be where you're at i don't it would I have to wouldn't I, it maybe it'd have know. to i'm a very competitive dude i don't <laughs> Competitive and disciplined. Yeah. You know how Lorenzo can just flip a switch and like eat perfect for 45 yeah. days or whatever? Like he can do the same thing. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And he, he geeks out on plans like just as much as I do. Yeah. Like you, you he's peppering me. Talking. Yeah. Remember when he came by and he's like, I need to know the plan. I'm like, I got to dial. He's like, no, no, I need to know it. You know, and he's thinking, what if I can't talk to you? What if we're out of, yeah. what if we're out of communication, man? And like, the whole drive to Colorado, he's like, okay, we're doing this and mm -hmm. do Like he's into it. That's I think that, well, that basically what I'm planning. What I'm getting from this is you two together is making you even more of a logistics king because he's, he's like <laughs> he you're taking all this intel from him too <laughs> yeah. and you're giving it to him like you guys are just. Or if I grow up and you guys like and you guys see me eight or ten years from now you're like why are you this way? It'll be because he <laughs> yeah he exactly did it. He, exactly. This is like the bad or the great example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could it. ask you a billion more questions about flying, but I should we should probably dive. What about the alien it. one? Well, yeah, have you ever seen an alien? No. Never. No. That Nothing was up there. Weird. That was, Come on. Do that they was a lot. That are you was like? Lie. I mean, are you asking yeah. me like I just, philosophically? You know, I, like, I don't believe what you just said. That was a lie. You what's Area good? 51? Tell us right now. Blink twice if you can't tell. What's Area 51? <laughs> what's Area 51? <laughs> you never. You haven't seen anything. No. Nothing you asked weird? me this one time, like off camera. I know because I've seen I, one. Yeah, yeah. I have seen. <laughs> I had one try to abduct me. That is a way more impressive story that you should actually tell. I've told it. I have told that one. He like what episode I, is that? <clears throat> I can't remember. Canvas cutter. Well, canvas cutter on. Oh yeah, the we'll canvas cutter. That that's in. right. Okay. That's an oldie. Yeah, that's okay. a throwback. I'll tell it again some other time. 
have I seen stuff uh, like twice in my life? I've seen things in the air that I couldn't make sense out of, but hmm. they were not like aliens, aliens, right? I'm I mean, sure. I guess like you want to go full weird conspiracy theory. You could say, sure, that was weird. <laughs> um, there's a great book that's, that was written um, a long time ago about the CEO of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, right? That's the, yeah. that's the organization that made the, mm-hmm. the Blackbird and some other cool stuff. And there's a section there about aliens and UFOs and stuff. And a lot of times when you're flying around doing weird things fast or at night or whatever, people catch a glimpse and they're going to go, what was that? And, and there was a program Then when that Blackbird was being made, they were actually ripping it around the Western U S and in the book, it talks about like how fast it was going was unlike anything that the planet had ever seen. Cause it was, it was the first one that ever went mm-hmm. that fast and, and was that loud and, that color and that shape. I mean, you guys probably saw the Rose Bowl. Like when the B2 flies over, it looks like Darth Vader's shit, mm-hmm. right? So imagine if that wasn't at a football flyover, it was just like a really classified thing. And then you're looking up in the sky and you're like, whoa, what, yeah. uh, what is that exactly? So yeah, twice I've, I've like been stopped in my tracks and just looked at something like that doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. But did I think it was from another planet? No. Do you think <laughs> aliens exist? I think... Like mathematically, it doesn't make sense to me that there are that many planets out there and that many stars, and like we're the only, yeah, we're the only thing that carved out an existence. That that for me is a little bit tough. I have no definitive answers. I, my wife got mad at me one time because I said like, hey, if they figure out this space thing and they're looking for people to like volunteer to like go to Mars or whatever, I'm like, ah, man, really? Ooh. Oh, in a you heartbeat. go heartbeat. No way. Sitting on a rocket and getting shot like a, a bajillion miles an hour to go to a planet that nobody else has been. Yeah, dude, sign me up. I'm in. No mm. kidding. Yeah, she's not. I wonder happy. what that is in you. What is that? Maybe the same thing that got me into hunting. Like adventure. I guess, man. I love a challenge. I love <clears throat> the adventure. That um, sounds like a hunter. Yeah. Definitely sounds like a hunter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm a hard no on that. I'm not going to Mars. You, Brady? Brady, go to Mars. I'd go. <laughs> what if there's like some species of ibex up there that yeah. nobody's ever seen before? It's got like 27 I mean, foot antlers, like 27. Foot. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I wasn't with you at all. Until until he said not 27 true. foot, Trails and then it. my eyes got big. And no, I was like, like, yeah, maybe, I'll, I'll bring yeah, my bow. Maybe, like it'll be yeah, fine. Maybe. Yeah, mm. that's wild. What got you into honey? Uh, this guy. Like, I grew up. Um, we didn't know each other growing up, but we grew up in Southern California. There are not a lot of. Western big game hunters, mm-hmm. where I, or at least in the circles mm-hmm. I ran no, in Southern no. California. We grew up like 15 minutes from each other, didn't know each other. Yeah, it's totally ironic. Um, but I grew up like, you guys didn't surf together? Did you surf? No, we went to the same. <laughs> Sponger <laughs> we or same. a surfer? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is Both. Both. Um, Did you surf? He was a lifeguard. He was a collegiate water polo. He's, he's, so he's, you know, brings up water. He feels like he's got, he's superior to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> look at this wingspan, dude. How tall are you? Six foot? Uh, like six two. Six, six two. two. And look at the, give him the wingspan. I didn't know you could be a pilot. Look at, look oh yeah, you do have long arms. Long, arms. long ass. Yeah, Can you dunk? Should, we should hoop. Do you ever dunk? Uh, He's not I've been trying a while, but I could. Yeah. I remember actually that day where I can dunk in the warehouse. Um, that was a go hunt video for a while. If I was six two, I could definitely but, dunk. Yeah, Porter <laughs> likes to foul a lot when he plays basketball. Yeah. He does. He does. He's good at fouling. Old man ball. A lot of fouling. It's, um, and then a lot of jaw jacking, but, um, no, so, so a Porter guy, I grew up like shooting. Um, so I was around guns from a young age, like competition shooting and we used to reload. So like 
I'm extremely envious of like the precision mm -hmm. reloading. Yep. We used to reload for mass, right? So it was like nine millimeter rounds or 45 rounds and you just try to crank out as many as you could. Uh, nobody ever talked about a chronometer or, you know, oh, yeah, weighing things out to the no. exact measurements. No. Yeah, I have two brothers. Addicting. So going to the range with, you know, three boys and a dad was like, you know, that's a 2000 round day, you know, oh, years like out Jeez. there. Um, so familiar with that aspect of it, but, or at least like the firearm stuff, but never really got into hunting. Hmm. And then, you know, Porter. Did it ever I, occur to you? Like, do you ever thought about it? I growing did. up? I did, you know for you sure. Hunting? But it was, it was, it just kind of seemed unattainable. It, you know, like if you don't have friends or a dad, maybe that's into it, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of a barrier to entry a little bit, yeah. I think. Of like just how to how to start yeah where do you even begin yeah right? it's like you know and it, i mean that was the first three years even as an adult where i was like wait applications like what do you mean the season for elk in utah is different than colorado which is different than like i don't understand like aren't the it's the same species of animal right and so there's just a lot right mm -hmm. and um then you get busy and have mm -hmm. a family and do all that stuff when i got a little bit of free time and porter you know i guess i mean i have known you since before you even worked here right and before mm -hmm. this thing started mm -hmm. So to watch Porter kind of get into it from scratch, right? And he would talk about it from time to time. And he'd be like, hey, man, I'm going elk. And I was like, you have a gun? Like, somebody put a gun in your hand? Like, what are you? <laughs> you have a gun. Yeah, I love when people run Did Porter. somebody make you do that? Yeah. <laughs> what are you shooting? Um, no, and then, you know, obviously Do Porter, you need a safe word, Porter? You, he, I guarantee you he's thinking, dude, if Porter can do it, I can do it. That's, <laughs> not, that's not true. Um, maybe a little bit true. Um and so he, he, you know, I started asking Chris questions and he's like, dude, you should get into it and like, you should try it and come up. And it started, it started pretty innocuously. It was like your scouting trip. Like he pulled a great Nevada tag, right? I was a, too ignorant to even understand that opportunity. Right. And then you were like, Hey man, this is a big deal. And I want to be going up and scouting a lot. And I was like, sounds good. He's like, well, you should come up with me. And of course I see a 370 inch bull for like, I think that's just like Tuesday, right? I'm like, oh, They're cool. in their summer pattern, mm -hmm. mid-August. We see elk, good unit. We yeah, see everywhere. elk everywhere. It was, it was a fun, mm -hmm. that like, is fun. two days and we see a hundred head, you know? Yep. And then uh, the only opportunity I had, so then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm into it. I'm like this, I want to do it. And so I set a goal. I was like, I want to kill bull elk and, you know, I definitely want to Not a mule there, huh? No, we'll get to that. He gave me a lot of grief about that. I know I'm in front of Mule Deer Jesus right now, but it was, um, it was like. That's at, why I brought it up. I just, yeah, I know. It's Halo. From where I'm sitting, like you're literally, the Halo He's is glowing, this, right? like, a great trophy. Me, right? Yeah. You need to ask him, would you rather in a minute? Yeah, mm -hmm. So my first hang up was, I don't want to kill something just to kill it. I want to, I want to eat the meat, right? So like, I'm going to bring the meat home. It's not necessarily about providing for my family for the year, but I'm not going to be, you know, flippant with that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then he had, you had some elk or whatever. And I, I don't have any, I had had deer before. I'd had venison and you know, restaurants and at friends' houses and stuff like that, but hadn't really had a chance to like cook elk. And when I tasted it, I was like, dude, this is good. The elk <laughs> I ended up killing that we, that scouting that's right. yeah. trip, that's like right. I harvested that November, I gave you some of that meat. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to set the goal. Let's go, let's go kill a bull. And that's still, still kind of the goal. So for the four seasons I've been able to do it, um, I, I didn't have any points, didn't have any really, mm -hmm. you know, like, of course, apply for all the lottery states and still striking out so, thus far. And then did it over the counter spy hunt. And what was in so what was the process of punting that? How did, how did you do that? It was a lot of Chris kind of guided me through the process. But so, you know, I get an insider account and I'm trying to, you know, understand filtering and understand, like, you know, pick a species, pick a state. 
I definitely narrowed the scope to Nevada initially where I was just mm -hmm. like, Hey man, I live here. It seemed a little bit daunting to go like, Hey, let's go learn all the different rules and all the different application timelines for all the different States. Um, and Chris was like, dude, you, you can be in the game in Nevada. Like it's a lottery and you know, he's explaining mm -hmm. to me how that works. I was like, okay, cool. They'll buy my raffle ticket and let's rock and roll. And then struck out. And I think the first year I applied, got nothing. And I was pretty bummed out. I was like, well, sweet. I got <laughs> zero points. Like, Dude, this is brutal. I'm like, <laughs> no, it wasn't like, that. It wasn't that. It was, I tried. It was, yeah, that's right. Well, I guess this is over. <laughs> is it for me? No, it was the, it was actually, we were at your house in your kitchen and I, you showed me how to use, um, like the draw odds. And it was like, you had given me a few like, you know, units to focus on for, yep. for elk in this state. And it was like, dude, okay, five points, six points, eight points, ten points, and the percentages were so low. I was like, this is a freaking joke. I was like, dude, I'm gonna be 95 years old before I get a chance to go hunting. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, Chris is like, breathe through your nose, relax. Like, there's more than that out there. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of slowly built, and then I I saw there was an over the counter uh, spike hunt in Utah that was possible, and we have a mutual friend that's got a place up there near that unit. So it was like, all right, man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go try it like spike hunt, you know, and that'll be, that'll be that. And then I just got lucky that that first year was like a late rut mm -hmm. and we walk in the woods and from the second, you know, you step out of the truck, it was just a, a, like a bugle fest. It was like walking into dinosaurs everywhere, just <laughs> screaming their faces off. So again, I see three seventy inch bull with Porter. First time I ever mm -hmm. go glass and first time I ever have a tag in my pocket, I walk in the woods. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, struck out, didn't, didn't kill. But I remember, you know, texting Porter. You you had a couple hunts that year, so you didn't go. So I had other guys to go with, and that was the it was baby steps, go hunt maps. Um, you know, never went to any sort of competing or competitor software out there. I've only ever been a go hunt guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, downloading offline maps and trying to navigate my way around there. Came home with nothing, but I was for sure hooked. And you know, I remember calling Chris or texting Chris and going like, "Dude, struck out." total loss and chris was like dude you don't understand how much you just learned like this mm -hmm. year which in hindsight you were totally right but i was the competitive side of me was like tried failed now i'm definitely all in so i'm not stopping and then what do you think was like the most like what's been the most challenging like what's 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 the hardest part of getting into hunting like as, as an adult i've got a brother that's doing it right now and like similar to you you know he le he leans on you know me and my other brother that we've hunted most of our whole life um so he, he you know, ask questions, gear, all that stuff. But like for you personally, like what, what was the most, the most challenging? I think the, is I think it the getting the permit? Is it the, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, it is? I, that's a good question. I think that the most challenging thing was feeling like there was always something I was going to screw up. Right. Like hmm. I didn't know anything about watching your wind, you know, I'm rifle hunting. I'm not bow hunting. Do I even need to worry about my wind? Um, you know, I, I, I was, pretty much running YouTube dry, trying to think of, you know, trying to watch every movie, every how-to I could. I'm, I'm probably annoying Porter, uh, asking him all the questions uh, that I could do. But that first year in the woods, I remember we were sitting up on a bluff and, and we're looking down in, into like some thick timber and there was a lot of elk in there. Mm -hmm. And it was very ruddy, so, and I had a spike tag in my pocket. And I hadn't read anything when I didn't have anybody to ask, but it was clear to me after like day three where like the herd bulls are just running the little teenagers off that I'm like, dude, how am I going to like, like the teenagers want to get like the, the young spikes want to be around the cows, but like the, obviously the old bulls don't want them around. So they run them off. And I remember thinking like, dude, there's a herd of like a hundred elk down there. 
the only thing I can kill is the spike and it's running that way. There's zero chance I'm going to go get it. Like, do I just send around at like a thousand yards here and like hope for the best or what? <laughs> Obviously I didn't. Um, and then on that same bluff, this guy just kind of walked, there's another hunter that just kind of walks up and we start chatting with him or whatever. And he's like, Hey, so what are you guys hunting or whatever? This guy's by himself. And then he's just like, all right, see you guys. And he just, you know, drops off the knob and he starts like walking towards the herd. And I was like, He's going to go into the timber. And I remember at that moment, I was like, dude, there's so much I don't understand right now. Right. Like there's just from where to be, how to get the animal, how to stalk them. So, you know, without being disappointed, I was like, dude, this there's a lot to sink your teeth in, in, right. in this thing, which for me was really interesting and challenging. And I'm like, again, spoiled rotten. Got a good friend that, you know, runs a hunting company and, mm-hmm. you know, have – the ability to go hunt antelope with Brady, you know, with somebody else's tag this year and then saw you and little things like how to pick out a bull elk out of that herd. Like I took into the woods this year. So every year is just a little, as you guys know, right? You get a little bit better at mm-hmm. some things. I remember you being stressed about the two big things. I remember you being super stressed in those early years. Like this is 2020, 2021 was how the heck do I get a permit? Yeah. Which we, we, we figured that out. And then, Okay, I get one down. Now what? Because yeah. I remember you being, you you were, and you and Zach were like, you just didn't want to waste any of the meat. You didn't want to yeah. screw anything up because that's obviously would feel pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. So they, I mean, how many YouTube videos did you watch of ours or Randy's? I mean, Newberg's like, you yeah. know, gutless method is probably like in my top five YouTube videos of all time. <laughs> like I was just like, all right, you're all the views on that video. All of it. You all of it. Freak. <laughs> what well, I remember you like, you blew my mind. <laughs> I was asking Chris things like, dude, how many hours can you hang like meat in the tree? Like yeah. if it's in a game bag, like, like, is it good? Is it going to spoil? Like how long before you got like your elk to the processor or whatever? And you're just like, dude, breathe through your nose. Like it's going to be fine. I was like, dude, so everything. And obviously presumptuous to even worry about how you're going to take care of meat when I can't mm-hmm. even like get a spike in the scope. So You killed a spike in 21. Yeah. So the next year went back, same unit, same over the counter tag, struck out on the other apps way more deliberate approach to applying that year you yep. you got me into this is 2021 so 20 was the first one 21 was the second year where i i yep. did kill um couldn't really like i, I was basically leaning on chris and like hey are you going on you know a colorado hunt or can we hunt together and mm-hmm. i'm sure chris in his head was like dude this guy's my buddy but like i don't need you banging <laughs> no, around. No, i don't no. need you banging around the woods uh, <laughs> no, no, much no. noise. <laughs> you are not a liability at all you bring value. I'm telling you. Oh, you do. I appreciate that. You pick um, up animals. Ask Nate. Little Nate. He's here in the office. Or Big Nate. We, big sorry. Nate. Big little Nate. Nate is... The camera guy. The camera guy who's technically There's a little bigger. Than Nate? bigger. Yeah. Little, well, little Nate, the camera guy, is littler than Nate? Nate? No. No, that's why it's confusing. They oh. were both called Nate. There's four people on a hunt in Colorado. Yeah, two Nates. And it was driving me nuts. I started calling him Nick, and he's like, dude, his name's Nate. I'm like, <laughs> so it, was we, get, it was getting a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then we, You're so calling the camera guy Nick? Yeah, so then we came up with Big Nate, Little Nate. Big Nate is littler, but he's older. So we uh, called him Big Nate. Big Nate and Little Nate. Yeah. So Big Nate's here, actually. Did you see him? No. He's in the yeah, office. He's in here. Yeah. He's in he my house. He's wintering here. Yep. He's like a snowbird. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> yeah. his Wyoming house isn't done. Yes, that's right. So he's right. wintering with, with ah, here. In I'm the, excited. I'm going to go say hey. Yeah. Something you said I thought was interesting is like you just didn't know. You said like oh, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So I, I've I've hunted forever, but like I I went on this hunt in Colorado this last year, this archery elk hunt, and I killed a bull, and I'm you know in the process of packing it out a long ways, and I'm walking up and down the trail, you know, in and out packing meat, 
and I'm running into people like on the trail and everybody I talked to, I'd be like, Oh, you, have you hunted here before? You know, yes, some, yes, some, no. How long you been hunting? And I would say there were probably 12 vehicles at the trailhead and I probably talked to, I don't know, at least that many people. Right. Cause there was, you know, multiple people in a vehicle and I would bet you 90% of them within the first minute would be like, I'm seeing elk. I just don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like all, all of them, everybody. And I don't know. I'm curious as to like what you think, what you think people could do? What could we do like as a company to help shorten that gap? Cause they would, they would ask me, how'd you kill that bull? I, I don't know, man. I watched the wind. I watched where he was at. It's not a body when I shot him, you know? And yeah. it's, it's like, I'm saying that, but I'm sure within that there's probably a billion other little decisions that I made that I, I wouldn't even think to relay. Yeah. So what, I mean, what do you think? I think you guys, for the most part, not pandering to my audience or anything, you guys are doing it. Like you are, you are making it less daunting, right? Mm. I would say that for me, I don't know if this is, if this is going to resonate with other new hunters or not, but there were like, it's almost like going to school. There were certain like must do early, right? You got to get your gear. You got to decide how you're going to get a tag. Are you going to back, is it going to be a backpack hunt? Or are you just going to like trail hunt or whatever? And so there's the logistical aspect of just mm-hmm. getting the opportunity and then getting the gear ready to go. Right. And, and that was wildly doable. Your gear dumps, your, you know, the mm-hmm. whys behind your first aid kits, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, even the simple, like the caliber of weapon that you guys are taking into the, you know, into the field, that all was like wildly helpful mm-hmm. um, the whole time. The actual in the field hunting stuff, you know, I think I would bucket into like, the the definite do nots right it was like mm. the prohibited things for sure don't do it and I'm you know obviously with filming and stuff like that it's different than when you talk mm-hmm. to somebody because you only get a snapshot of what's actually happening right and so those moments of disappointment or or challenge right I remember watching I think you're in Lorenzo's deer hunt where you put that ridiculous stock in the high country and oh yeah it looped you, all around that buck in the ab shoots and came down on him and I remember air. that video has that video has like a scene where I think it's from Lorenzo's perspective, looking across the Canyon at how far you had stocked. Yeah. And I remember being dumbfounded about the way you guys talked about putting an animal to bed. Like, Hey mm-hmm. man, we're just going to sit on them. They're going to go to bed. Then we'll put a stock on them later. I was like, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> the, these, yeah. That animal's going to sit there like literally <laughs> like all day. I got an F 16 right here. I'll Dude. be there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there in a second. And then Brady, like, you know, do to do's around like, you know, yeah. 11,000 foot cliff. And I was like, okay, animals literally going to sit there. Yeah. So as dumb as that sounds, it's like having not been in the woods, having not patterned animals, animal behavior, mm-hmm. which is, he likes to give me grief about not being into mule deer, but it's like, dude, I'm, I'm just trying to get my brain around elk mm-hmm. first. Right. And then there's some things that are corollaries obviously, but like, I can't also go learn a new species right now and how they water and what their mm-hmm. food source is and, and what their travel plans look like and things like that. So long answer to your short question trail, but I think it was like, for me, it was like gear tags, mm-hmm. logistics. And then after that, it was like, okay, I know I'm going to bump an animal when I'm not supposed to, that's just going to be part of the learning curve. What are the for sure don'ts like, mm. don't screw it up. And I like maybe that. that would be my one suggestion is like, Hey, here's the top three easiest ways to mm-hmm. screw it up. Gotcha. Um, Because I had to kind of infer that when I was first learning uh, from you guys. I like that. I think that's applicable. And I think think it makes a ton of sense. Because a lot of it is just, a lot of it's animal behavior. I mean, I I did a podcast on my own here not too long ago. I talked about, uh, I've killed a lot of elk. Not, I'm not a good caller. Bragging. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tons. So many I can't even count. <laughs> um, but a lot of a lot of them I've killed just via anticipation, knowing where that animal was most likely to be and when. Yep. And I think a lot of that is is just ecology. Why why are they there? Where are they going to be? Where are they most likely to go? Yep. And so yeah, that's good good intel. I love him getting into it because <clears throat> him and Zach, I hit him up for feedback all the time because what we've realized is we're trying to grow our business and continue to evolve. Is you know you guys, Brandon, Lorenzo, were here really pretty much from the beginning as true SME experts. And so we came, you know, from a really draw odds heavy technical perspective and mm -hmm. solve those problems because they needed to be solved. Mm -hmm. But with like with our filtering tool and all this, we've really built a tool that's really incredible for new hunters, but it's still a little too technical and we gotta we gotta make some tweaks. So like where listening where he still gets hic you know hits hits hiccups or confusion is really helpful. And like you know people talk about you know because tags are getting cut and all this stuff and a lot of it's winter kill and these things but i mean the number of hunters is not necessarily growing exponentially we have to have new hunter recruitment mm -hmm. right we want this guy to come into our industry have a good experience buy tags support conservation and then he's going to raise his kid and then this is how we continue to build otherwise we have this generation of let's call it 40 year olds or whatever. And if, if we don't have new hunter recruitment, they're going to die off and there'll be no hunters and we're definitely mm -hmm. going to lose our rights. Like we have to think long term, especially with all this stuff that we're talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is like kind of the mission of Go Hunt, right? We have to like, re there's such a big barrier to entry, right? I was the same way, except I was spoiled because I was exposed to you guys when we started Go Hunt. But like it is so intimidating getting in. There's so much you have to learn. There is. From the tag to the, the 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 weapon to how to harvest an animal to then take care of the animal it's intimidating we want to reduce that barrier to welcome people it's still going to be difficult it's still going to be yeah. a challenge because like even the other day i mentioned to you i got an email from a guy and we're talking about like new hunters he's like i saw you released the 2024 application deadline article he's like what are deadlines yeah He's like, I don't understand the deadline thing. I want could, that guy's life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what a deadline yeah. is. Because, like, you know, he, maybe he's from somewhere else. I'm you know, so we're just, chill. He doesn't even know what the word deadline is. I don't means. even know what a yeah. deadline is. <laughs> That's a good chill. Deadlines, yeah. never heard of them. But, like, he's probably, you know, maybe one of those Midwest, East Coast guys who just goes and buys a white tail tag at a gas station. He yeah. doesn't understand. Yeah, like, yeah. For, for the confusion part for him right away is what's a deadline? Mm -hmm. And it's like we all take that for granted. Like, we know app deadlines are... You know, from December to June, mm -hmm. like that's there's app deadlines all the way throughout there for every single state. But he, that was just the basic of basic. Yep. And it's like, yeah, I had to try to help him out, explain to it. And he's like, oh, wow, I didn't know we had to apply. I didn't know you have deadlines. You have an app period, open date, close date. Every state's different. Every species yeah. is different. Yep. And then for you trying to break all that stuff down. I mean, it was it literally, it was just, it was like drinking from a fire hose. You know what I mean? It's like, you gotta, you gotta narrow it. In tw I remember in 2020, right? When he's like fully committed to doing this, I'm like, dude, buy a Wyoming point. It's like 40 bucks for elk. The deadline is October. And he's like, dude, I don't, I, I got to learn so much before I yeah. go to Wyoming to kill an elk. Yeah. I'm like, how am I going to go to Wyoming? I know, but it's $40. But I promise probably, you it's a very, yes, yeah. very good investment. Mm -hmm. well, three, four years, yeah. you know, it depends on which tag, but like, and now he, how many points do you have? You didn't do it that year, but let me break up my point track. But you have like, and, uh, <laughs> but you have like two or three. I got two. Yeah, a couple in Wyoming. I think I have the most in Utah. He's starting to build up. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it starts to. Well, Trail know, Trail said this on your your deer hunt last year. Actually, he was Trail. You were asking me like where I went hunting the 
first and only bull elk tag I've had was an over-the-counter Colorado mm-hmm. tag. Um, I won't say the unit, Brady, because it's over-the-counter, right? We don't want to blow, we don't we blow like it up, right? Brady on blast. Um, yeah. For the people, I think that's what Lorenzo said. Well, Lorenzo's not here He's not here, not here, right here. I have to represent. <laughs> you are in a seat. You are in a seat right now. Um, and I was all stoked because I was, you know, I was using... I was using Gohan. I was using filter, and I was like, "Oh, with one point, this is 100% draw odds." Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I'm not looking for. I, I actually think it would be wrong to be this new to it and have some unrealistic expectation of like a 350 inch bull, right? Like, if if I I've not killed a bull elk yet, I'm very much looking forward to another opportunity. But if I killed a 275 inch bull, I'd be doing cartwheels down the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be super stoked to just have completed that goal. So I'm telling Trail where I went, and it was 100% draws. And Trail's like, you know, you just like go over the counter and get a point. I was like, what? Uh, what'd you say? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, you just like waited two weeks and gone back, and then you have a point to kind of be in the game for later. I was like, that never even dawned on me. And you know, the whole drive up and back to Brian Head this last weekend with Zach was that conversation was, dude, what? We got to build points to have an opportunity, and we mm-hmm. use the over the counter maybe in the short term to become a better hunter to learn how to do this more effectively. And then when you're in the game with five, six, eight points down the road, then target that unit where you can maybe put those skills to, re, you know, to, to good use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a good strategy. Well, it's going forward now. I want to ask you more about that, but I got another question I want to ask you before first. When do uh, I get to fire some? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Chris kind of brought it up and alluded to it, but um, you're new, are you kids into it? Yeah. So my 11 year old this year, um, put my pack on right before we left for Colorado on Chris's hunt, you know, I was weighing my pack and wanted to, you know, see everything. And my, my son probably weighs 65 pounds soaking wet. Mm -hmm. And I think my pack was like 50 some odd pounds and he, he strapped it on. He was like, dad, if I carry this, can I come? So like, he's way into it. So he's into it. He's turning 12 this year. Um, he was doing his hunter's education, Mm -hmm. like in the car on the way back from this weekend's trip. So, like he's in now he is he's also you know as new as you can possibly be so he's like yeah. dad so youth hunter i'll get it i'll be able to hunt this year right yeah and he's turning 12 he's turning 12 i build draw tags less. that's what i mean i had to like manage his expectations a little bit but i have a few cow points in utah and mm-hmm. we're looking for um I, I think it'll be a fun hunt to get him really into it is like going on a cow hunt with him in utah Mm-hmm. He loves going to the range. He was he was banging steel at like yeah, five hundred yards, and so, so. so he's into it. You're into it. Oh yeah. Um, there's kind of an undercurrent, like a little bit of a movement, just like that. That, that we don't need new hunters. Like that we that, that generally like we've got enough hunters. It's too hard to draw a tag. It's too hard to get a tag. I was just curious as to like what do you? I mean, what do you think about that? Like, what does it mean to you? I actually, and to and to you and your 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 kid that you're bringing up. I actually was going to ask you guys a similar question where it's like, how do you guys as season hunters feel about a bunch of rookies like showing up in the unit, right? Are we, are we drawn, are we putting more pressure on the animals? Are we making it harder to get tags and stuff like that? Um, from our perspective, like I love it. I love the challenge of it. I love being outside. I want my kids to be outside. I want Mm -hmm. them to, you know, have to face a little adversity and then overcome it. I don't like the idea of them just getting handed something easy. And so, there's so many good lessons to be learned about how to do this correct, you know, correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves steak. He loves elk. Like, you know, I, I remember. Man, kids love steak. Your kids eat like elks and elk steak. Dude, I can't get the my, kid to eat like a chicken breast to save yeah, his life, either. but my, he will crush mine steak. Mine too. Like crush yeah. it. So. They will flat eat steaks. Yeah. They do like it. He always, Bennett always talks about. 
yeah. the spike I killed the I was like deliberate with what I fed the fam the first time with it. So I found some recipe for like sloppy joe. So I took the hamburger meat and made like sloppy joes out mm-hmm. of it, and then put like crescent rolls mm-hmm. in the oven. So I put sloppy joes inside the crescent rolls, and they just gave them that. My kids crushed like a dozen of them. So good. <laughs> he's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "Dude, you guys are eating elk," and he's yeah. like, "I'm in." So yeah, so he's into it. I think um, there is a like it's almost I don't want to call it. It's not country club atmosphere but you know how when you're like entering into something completely new you might be over analyzing like the people that are really good at it so like hunters in every personal experience i've had are like insanely friendly like i remember you and i met some guy that turned out to be an outfitter in nevada when we were scouting for your deer hunt oh, my deer hunt yeah that yep. guy was super nice it was unbelievable and you were i mean obviously you're like the mayor like you're always up to everybody <laughs> like, how's it going or we can stop at a gas station in the middle of nowhere, but you're like, hey, you guys like living here? Like, what's the, what's the climate like over here? <laughs> you know, guys Rachel, Nevada, they were very nice. He's Porter's a talker. So I thought you were just kind of doing that, and then it's just genuine, right? And they're, yeah. they're out there. So I think Bennett's too young to really understand any of that dynamic yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping. You feel welcome, though. Like, you think our industry is like, you feel like welcome, but you don't feel like they're elite and not, totally i might know, not be the best person to ask that too because obviously i yeah. have this like mm-hmm. yeah. crazy inroad right like yeah. i shouldn't be at this table with you guys but it is it's i have never uh-huh. felt like i didn't belong yeah. here didn't deserve to be here or any of that stuff um mm-hmm. it's been it's been super think about me. your interaction on your archery that was a mm-hmm. otc right yeah um I didn't want to break Brady's rules, but it was in the. Can we talk about the state and the weapon? It, it was in you Colorado. Can, you can, you can do Colorado. Colorado. It was, and it was in archery, <laughs> US. elk tag. Yeah, I think I said I caught one in Colorado. So <laughs> I, yeah, I think we're okay to say it. So, but like you talked about, you you ran into a lot of people. A lot of people. Like people. Ohio and oh, all over, all over. Yeah, right? absolutely. All and they were the getting their butts kicked. I worry mm-hmm. that they, hopefully, have at least a good enough experience that they want to come back. Oh. But what's a non-resident uh, Colorado elk tag? Seven forty-six, I think. So at, at the yeah, bells, seven hundred fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. And you ran into mm-hmm. twelve of those. Mm-hmm. Do we know if any of those twelve people? I, I don't know. harvested. No, we don't think. Right? I, I don't know. I don't think. We don't think. Okay, mm-hmm. but even but think so. That's a lot of revenue mm-hmm. to the to the agency yeah. that can go to a really good use. Mm-hmm. I mean. Newer hunters, especially when they're into archery, which is great. Like, let's be honest, harvest success is pretty low, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's a lot of revenue that the state needs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just like you, you, I asked a question, and you asked a question in return. I didn't want to skip over it. I always try to return, you yeah. know, when somebody asks a question. But, and I'll, you know, I'll let you guys speak for yourselves. But and I, and I said ad nauseum, I, I'm all in favor of more people pursuing the lifestyle and and the opportunity to hunt. And mm-hmm. I. I think it's so cool. I mean, I, you and I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Like, True. I wouldn't have met you with, yeah. with, without hunting. I mean, we met you in, you know, Porter's hunting camp, and we got to know each other. And I I mean, I, I, I consider you a friend at this point. What a cool opportunity to sit and talk to you about, I mean, flying F-16s and shit. You know, I just, I would never have this conversation, right, yeah. without it. And I'm, I'm not saying that, like, you don't meet people, you know, outside. Of, certainly you meet people outside of hunting, but it, it is like a commonality that we share. And, like, yeah. I'm all for that. And I... I mean, I'm all for bringing those types of people that are looking for those experiences, and I know what they will mean. I know I've talked to you. I know I know you loved. I know you loved it. You yeah. know, so I I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool. I've had my time. I've hunted. You know, I've I've done my thing. Um, I'm gonna keep doing my thing. It's not like I'm not gonna find avenues to go hunting myself because I love it and yeah. and get my kids into it. 
and really anybody that can help. But I, I think it's awesome. I think there's plenty of opportunities. And I mean, you know, if draws get a little bit harder in a state like Nevada, because you're applying and I'm applying now, I don't care. If you yeah. draw the tag, I'm pumped for you. Yeah. And that's genuine. Um, and I don't know if everybody shares that. And I certainly see the other side of it, you know, like, hey, I've been waiting all these years and my draws are still less than 10% or 5% or whatever it is. Like, I get it. But, man, I just, I would always pound home. Like, somebody got the tag. Somebody's out there. You know what I mean? Somebody's it's, having the experience. Yeah. So if so, but someone if someone has twenty points in the state, mm-hmm. like a new hunter's not really affecting their draws much at all, is it? Right? Like is I, I mean, mean some of the random yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, states that offer a random permit. Like in a state like Nevada, the number of bonus points you have squared gives you that much better chances. But if you've got a whole bunch of people at that zero to one point level, I mean they're still in the draw and they they're are, available I mean. to that. But and, and it can, but I mean the point that I would make is like there's your classic example, like you're from Nevada, you could have just applied in Nevada and not drawn the permit, the, the permits that you applied for, but you didn't. You looked at filtering, you yep. looked at application strategy articles, I assume, use the platform, and you looked at it and you're like, oh, I can buy an over-the-counter spike elk tag in Utah. There's a lot of people that would look at that and be like, I don't want to go up and hunt spikes, you know, but it is an opportunity and you went and you had, you had good hunts, right? I mean, you guys would probably laugh at me if you saw the pictures of me walking up on that spike. Like I was, I thought I just, and that's awesome. Cool. You keep saying you haven't killed a bull elk, but you killed a bull elk. That's a bull elk. Okay. Yeah. That's a bull elk. So anyway, I, I think it's awesome. I'm, uh, I think it's super cool that you're, what do you think? I would hundred percent agree with trail. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And I know a lot of people like to poke fun at residents, non-residents going to other states, but like you were chasing an opportunity and experience and you yeah, went outside your state and experienced that and had a great time. You learning those experiences. You'll take that to Nevada whenever you draw a tag there. Yeah. I wish like I live in Nevada. I wish we could give out more non-resident tag, but we just don't have the habitat. We have the weather, you know, all that stuff, drought, like, Certain states have more tags because they have a little bit of wildlife population. I wish we could give out more tags. Yeah. And I want people to chase the adventures that I've had. That's why I always keep talking about my family in Minnesota. Like, classic example, they all want to come out west and on elk. It's like, I want them to experience what I have seen. Like, they don't get that every single day, but they should be able to travel out there, have a good time, have some experiences, and pass it on to, you know, their family, their friends, and everyone should be able to do this. Yeah. And I I welcome that. I really do. Like, Like Trail said, like, deep down, I want people to do it. And if I have to wait a little bit, I am okay. Yeah. Well, I want to. I want to see the perpetuity of the tradition of the sport of the of the pursuit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the history of mankind is built on the back of hunting. Yeah, like I want to see that continue. So, well, yeah. you guys, have. It, it doesn't if, continue unless you're taking your kid, exactly, and your exactly. kid takes his kid, and and if those opportunities are not available, then that stops. Yeah. So we're I, losing I, rights in every state. Like we're yeah. if we don't have things like this yeah. when we're 80 we're gonna be like man mm-hmm. remember when we were 30 and 40 and crushing animals man we should have <laughs> man you remember when Porter was just crushing them <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should have you know we should have protected our rights more but I, I i get the resident non-resident thing because it affects tag so much and i feel like we're take we've taken it too far though like we're all americans we're all paying federal taxes <laughs> like it's like i don't know like the only thing you you really feel like you see people being like really proud of the state is around hunting. I feel like. Can yeah. I offer you one perspective? On I mean, that? unless like you're the, from Texas. That's true. That's people true. love the. They love Texas. They love like, Texas. Dude, we're Americans. Like we're like we act like we're like from different 
country. I mean, you, like, nobody fighting over tags. Nobody believes red, white, and blue like me. Like I, you know, you know my you're viewpoint. Yeah. I, I am American. an American. I am an, I am an unapologetic American. But yeah. I will say, as a, as a new guy getting into it later in life, um, I actually appreciate two things. I appreciate a little bit of a barrier to entry because I don't want it to be like frivolous, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to be able to just go. Mm. I, I haven't thought this comment through, but like if, if my 11 year old could just like decide he wants to go buy a tag at the gas station and then we go in and we're just, you know, spraying rounds in the woods, like I don't think that's a mm. good plan. Right. So there's maybe that's one end of the spectrum. And then on the other side, when you, when you have kind of, you know, gotten your education you've, you've put some hours in, you put some time in, I don't mind the like state resident preferential stuff because mm-hmm. it makes it easier to do. Right. Again, you, you should be able to. You're resident of that state. Yeah, right? like yeah. that. I remember. I mean, same sort of like PTSD when I was looking at filtering in Utah because I was, you know, all in on Utah, and that was like where I started garnering the most points. And I started looking at some of the big elk units in Utah, and I was like, dude, I can have 20, 22 points, and it's like maybe a coin flip for me to get this mm-hmm. tag. Um, that would I think discourage some people if it was in mm-hmm. your own state. It's just so hard to get a tag for so many years. They're gonna be like, dude. I'm Mm-hmm. I just really like camping with a rifle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's no chance I'm going to bring anything out of the woods. So maybe yeah. two ends, and that's probably just describing the bookends there. But yeah, no, you want you want a mix. You want it needs to be inviting enough to where people want to get into the system yeah. and buy points and keeps Which, it keeps the whole circle going. But point being is, it's doable. It's totally like doable. you did it. It's totally doable. And how did I you will, find? Uh, how did you find the product? As far as every state does everything different. Right. I mean, every every state's draw system, uh, some states don't have over the counter opportunities. Some do. Like, how did you find uh, the product as a whole, like using the product? Do you feel like it's pretty self-explanatory? Was it still hard? And like what individual parts and pieces of the insider platform do you think are like the most helpful for a new hunter? Okay, I'll take that piece by piece. I think I think it would be wrong for me to say like where insider and where the app is now is the same as when I started. Cause you guys mm-hmm. have done so much development on it that mm-hmm. it's not even from like the rookies perspective, it's not the same thing. Right. So, um, like I said, I, I focused on Nevada initially and mm-hmm. I was, you know, trying to learn that, Hey, yes, it's a, you know, you can take your points squared and, and trying to do some high level math here to like figure <laughs> out, do I do a group application? Do I just do a you nope. know, single or, <laughs> yeah. um, so that, what I struggle with, what the app was great for and what the website and the insider was great for is like literally, you know, it's it's about as user-friendly as you can get. It's like pick a species, pick a state, and then pick a season, and mm-hmm. then off we go. Um, I found myself even recently gave this feedback to Porter, I think, over the weekend. I'm like, you know, as a new guy who's trying, you know, to manage work, family, learning this new thing, um, time seems to be a really important commodity. It would be you know, I found myself struggling a little bit to make sure that like, Hey, the family calendar is only going to let me go hunting for 10 days this year or 15 or 20 days, whatever it is. It'd be sick if I could just put that date range in and then pick a state and then it just pop out the options for Mm, species. Yeah. Yeah, Or something. And then if you can go beyond one state to, Hey man, you could go spring bear hunting in Montana or you could do this Mm, or whatever. mm -hmm. That would be cool because it would help focus the effort. Now I was lucky in that, like I'm, maybe lucky, ignorant. I had made up my mind that elk was what I wanted to go hunt. And, mm-hmm. um, you hear that Brady? Yeah. I do. just wanted to, yeah, I want to make they're sure that, that was, they're just, these, they're dinosaurs, man. Would they're you like rather amazing. shoot a <laughs> six point mature, like three twenty bull mm-hmm. 
or a 195-inch trashy mule deer? It'll take about a half a second for me to decide, and I would smoke that mature bull. <laughs> what? And I would what? all day. And that's coming from a guy that's top three in his field. <laughs> in, the, in the world. In a completely unrelated, in the world. We are unrelated, but yeah. we're establishing. Deer hunt. Yeah. You're glassing up great deer all over the place, some on private, some on public, but we are, ha- we are glassing up good bucks, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's over there glassing up. Is, is that a legal bull? That's a legal bull. Oh, my God. And he's Just going so nuts. And I'm bulls. like, bro, there's a 190-inch straight typical right here, 240 yards away on private, just staring at you, rutting his face off, and he's over there glassing up. I would have had blinders on those elk the <laughs> whole time. Just like, whoop, mule deer, mule deer, mule deer. Yeah, him and Charlie. He, oh, is that the legal bull? That's in the back. He's about to feed out in front of the tree. I'm like, guys, we're, we're deer hunting. We're deer hunting over mm-hmm. here. Hey, guys, come we're back. We're like, oh, mm. oh, he's on public. Oh. <laughs> If we had a time, oh. we could smoke them. <laughs> Filtering was awesome. I used that a lot to answer your question, Trail. Yeah. And then it was state unit specific. And then when I when I thought I got to a point where for Nevada specifically, right, you can put in multiple choices mm-hmm. for units. I'd run those by Chris. I go, hey, what do you think about these? And then Chris would point me back to the platform to say, like, hey, man, you go go read. Go like stop looking at just the shiny pictures and go read. Mm-hmm. What's the terrain like? What's the water like? What's the access like? Um, so. I would say as my research kind of matured a little bit, it was, it was like, okay, so now, you know, there's good road access here. Cause I didn't do, I didn't do any backcountry hunting for the first couple of years. And then last year was the first like Colorado backcountry, which was like a whole new challenge for me. It was like 2022. Sorry, 2022. Yeah. yeah. I forgot. We're he legit. They drew first rifle tags. Mm-hmm. Him and Zach with like what? Zero points. Yeah, zero points yeah. or one point, I think. No, zero, I think points. zero points. Yeah, zero points. And then, and so I would say from where I started, where it was just, just one species, one state, trying to figure out where to apply to maybe 2022, where it was like, okay, I want a backcountry hunt in a state I've never been to before, read all the stuff that the platform had, and then it was onto the app, and then it was like e-scouting, mm-hmm. dropping waypoints, running them by Porter, sharing those with Porter, and go like, hey, does this look like somewhere I might be able to find water? And, you know, that unit was, it was a haul from, this is while I was deployed too. So I was, I was over in, you know, I was, I was. Can you say where you were? Yeah, I was in Europe. And, uh, <laughs> no, and like, <laughs> was in Europe. like the language they speak, like the country. Yeah. I was in Germany and, um, <laughs> and, uh, <Spoken> Sie Deutsch. <laughs> and it was, you know, I mean, it's, it's the military. It's not the, it's not the four seasons. So, you know, I'm living in a, you know, I'm sleeping on a cot every night and we're pretty busy at work and there's this little guy called Putin doing some, some mean things. So to decompress when I would come home, I was like, I knew I had this tag in my pocket and I was like, dude, I'm just, I'm just all over the app and I'm putting in, you know, waypoints and trying to do everything. So when I got home, you know, high five the fam and everything. And I think it was like, it was only like three or four days later. Do you that fly, I was like, do you fly he, your F-16 home? Yeah. No, <laughs> not don't. that trip. He, um, that, I was like, are you really still going elk hunting? He's like, am I going elk hunting? He's been gone six months, right? Yeah. Four kids at home. He's like, am I going elk hunting? Mm-hmm. I took the fam to the beach. We had a little family vacation and like, yeah. you know, mom got to go to the spa and relax but a little th- bit. So this then- is where like he's a new hunter, but not like he solo backpack scouted in August. Yep. Right around Labor Day or something. Yep. Well, I had those, I had e-scouted. I had to go yeah, check he, out the, he had to leaves go check here out the like points. one in the morning, mm-hmm. hikes through the night or whatever, or, or probably sunrise by the time he got there. But that was, yeah, that was a very productive scouting trip. Well, you set the model. It was the Nevada oh, Yearbook. Bon- oh, it was okay. a bonsai trip, yeah. Yeah. But that was a very productive scouting trip. It was. He came back. 
And it was productive in a way that like I could cross things off the list, right? Because I, right. I turned up like almost nothing. But yeah, to your point, it was, can you go find some stuff? And then got to go back up there with my buddy and and we found found a good spot. We were on the elk and we got there a couple of days before the opener and he ended up killing opening morning. Cool. Can I, there's a couple parts about that story I'd like to highlight. <laughs> So first of all, he had a very, Your logistics very, very good, he had a very good plan. He came back from the scouting trip and he was like deflated because he didn't see many elk and he, but he's telling a couple of spots. I'm like, super productive yeah. crossed off. You didn't like that spot. You yeah. couldn't see it was too thick. I'm like, that was very productive. You learn like, a lot oh, by okay. what you don't see. Yeah. And so like he, he looked at four spots, one where he saw the elk, it was glassable, it was huntable. I'm like, boom, you got your number one spot. He's like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. So then he's feeling, feeling better. But so our other buddy, or other buddy Zach wasn't able to get work off or whatever in scout. He's like leading the pack. There's a couple parts of this. So they have there's four of them total. They're all brand new hunters. One of them, um, one the one of them like I see at the gym all the time. He's he's younger, Sammy Junior. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's in good shape. He can he guy can hang. He yeah. went to college in Montana. Like, Aviators all the time. Uh, he, he's yeah, not a just, pilot. Yes, no, <laughs> no he's not a pilot. Yeah. Not a pilot. But like he can hang, and and he had been in the showroom here getting gear mm. from Paul and all that. Like he was into it. Fourth buddy is buddy from high school. I'm like, Hey, is he training? Like they're, I mean, they're going on a legit, they have two tags. It's a five day hunt, right? First rifle call. Three tags. Sean, Zach oh, and I, yeah, we all three had tags. tags. Yeah. And then, cause that's not a lofty goal or anything. Yeah, like walk they, into it over there. Like, you know, it's, it'll be fine. This will be, be fine. Brady, this will be fine. And I'm like, does he have the gear? Does, and, and he's like, I think so. I don't know. And, yeah. um, so anyway, that, that gentleman, who's his buddy, I don't want to put him too much on blast, but was definitely not prepared whatsoever. Anything to add there? I think he, I think he was prepared. I, I don't think he was as prepared, but I would, I would back him up a little bit and say like he also doesn't have the access that I do to you, right? And this is to maybe Trail's question about feeling deflated coming back from that scouting trip. I don't know what I don't know. So when I say, hey man, I didn't. Like I put a lot of work into this like habitat and like where the water's gonna be and where they might, you know, might turn them up. And when you strike out, it's it's not trivial that like I have a buddy that I say that to, and then you instantly amp me back up. You're like, dude, relax. You just learned some things. You you took that off the list. Mm. If your average hunter doesn't have that, right? And even when we were hunting with Nate this year, Nate was telling me how responsive he is to all the people that ask questions about gear mm. or about their hunts and stuff like that. If there's no feedback loop that like yeah. that for a new hunter it's really easy to just go like, dude, I obviously suck at this and this is, this training, is not going to have, what about training though? So transition to training. Okay. <laughs> he, I like it. Like, he that's more what I meant. Like <laughs> he, he was not out for this guy. No, no. So, yeah, he does. He, <laughs> no, no. He's, he's a very nice guy. I met him. No, he's like my oldest. Like name. literally I was in kindergarten <laughs> with this Say guy. His name. <laughs> like, yeah. Where's his, where's he live? <laughs> no, he's a very nice guy. He was not physically prepared. I think he would be the first, if he was sitting here right now, he'd be the first to tell you he was not, he underestimated the physical, physicality of, of the hunt right and we were camping at 10,000 plus feet um we weren't you know I'm not bowing up or anything we weren't we weren't doing insane hikes but it was steep and it was a really really thick unit um so there's there's something psychological about putting in a lot of miles in tough like matchstick forest when you also don't feel like you're covering any ground yeah. mm -hmm. you're like I look up I just see more trees and you feel like, claustrophobic yeah the yeah. reason I bring it up is, is like when like picking a hunting partner or whatever yeah, like real. he wasn't trying to hold you back or whatever but I mean you had put so much preparation to this you were so jacked up you thought about it the entire time you were in Germany you got five days you have only limited scouting days I mean it is like 
you got to maximize your time and yep. and Quarter so you trimmed fat that's what he said yeah that's right you <laughs> i don't know who this guy is but, but you're out yeah. no but they had a great plan we had I mean, a good I plan still the story but you no we got we found we got in there two days before the opener we scouted that night we bumped a we bumped a nice five point with like five cows out of his bed on the way into camp so we were feeling like okay there's a little bit of validation and then we scouted a couple spots the next morning felt good about them and there were hunters everywhere mm -hmm. i mean everywhere and so we opening morning you know went to where we had left some milk the night before because i don't know if you guys know this but when they bed down for the night they're not likely to move hey hot tip hot take you're welcome Thank uh you. and so then you know we put zach and and our other buddy um, at one spot and we were a few hundred yards away, but we had basically like different vantages into two different areas, right? Mm -hmm. There was like a upper Alpine meadow with some thick timber and then it's the morning of the opener and, and, um, you know, a bunch of them ran in on us and Zach late in the morning of the opener, Zach got a broadside shot at a couple hundred yards and put one right through the pump house and dropped him. And, you know, we were out of cell service and we had an in reach, for like emergencies and stuff, mm -hmm. but we weren't like texting, but I mean, we were close enough. I heard that, heard the gun go off. And then, so I'm like, dude, all right, let's pack up. But there, there was so much pressure that morning. I mean, I jokingly was telling Porter, I was like, it sounded like Fallujah. Like mm -hmm. it was like, there was super, super calm. And then opening morning, it was like, yeah. and I was like, mm -hmm. oh man, everybody get down. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the action. Yeah, that's right. And then we packed them out. And then, I mean, we learned so much in that hunt. That was, like you said, it was a backpack hunt, took care of the animal, um, you know, got everything back to camp, you know, four of us lugging it. We had the, we didn't cape it. It was, you know, it was a bigger mm -hmm. than my spike, but it was nothing that you would like, you know, want to cape or anything like that. So they kill opening morning, mm -hmm. take care of the animal pretty much all of that day. Right. But his is a classic. I would not call this a mistake. I would, this is like a classic thing that like, it's a good question. I mean, even more experienced hunters, like, yeah. Can I ask them? This, can I just ask them what they dilemma. would do? Yeah. 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 So we get back to the we get back to camp. We take care, you know. We hang the meat. Everything is good to go. But there's an evening hunt, so we go back out for the evening hunt. Don't turn anything up, and we come back into camp and we're looking at the inreach and there's like weather coming in. So this mm -hmm. is our whatever third day in the back. We got enough food. We have at least another day or two of food, and we're sitting right next to water. So we have meat in the trees. We have two more tags for the crew. Four days of hunting. Yep, left. four days of, One of day the season down. left. That's yeah. right. And we're, you know, just a few miles from the truck at this point. And the weather forecast is like, there's snow. Like, there's a storm coming in. I don't remember exactly how bad the forecast was, but it was like, there's going to be five or six inches. Yeah. Our thought, well, I don't even want to spoil it by saying our thought process. Would that have changed your guys' calculus at all about backing out right no. then and relocating? No. Okay. Could well, you tell the rookie why? <laughs> the, well, the, the other part too is, weren't you guys, you guys were nervous about how long you could hang the meat. Yeah. I was nervous about the meat getting wet. So it was hung and it was mm -hmm. up there and it's in its game bags or whatever. Of course, like, you know, I'm copying all of your guys' game bag recommendations and like all that stuff. So I felt fine about it being there. It was getting below freezing at night, but then back above freezing during the mm -hmm. day. So I was like, it, it wasn't cold enough where it was like going to turn into a block of ice and I'd feel yeah. good about it. So that was our thought was like, well, dude, if it if it freezes and it thaws and it gets snowed on, you know, we can't fully protect it. Do I put a tarp over it? Like, what do, what do we do here? Yeah. So, so me right there, I'm just thinking like I'm licking my chops knowing there's a storm coming in. I'm like, well, it's going to be really good hunting. Like I want to be out there. Okay. 
so I guess as long as the meat is underneath the tree and kind of like north facing yeah, slope, shaded up, potentially in the shade and all that. If it snows on, it's gonna over be fine. Over a creek helps. Yeah. Right, lows what probably high twenties. Oh, you're gold. High I mean, is totally gold. Fifty five. I can give you an example. So I killed a bull in Colorado archery hunt. Right, so it's September. Um, it's getting freezing at night. So when I get down into the creek where I put it over, I just suspended over a creek because I couldn't hang it in a tree. Um, getting freezing at night layer of frost okay. you know not frozen hard but layer of frost uh daytime high is probably 60s uh i left that i took me three days to pack it out and it was great it was it was fine. Totally fine. yeah totally no fine. difference in your experience yeah. from like how it tasted or nope nope ate the, fine wow. yeah. the biggest yeah. lesson i've learned you you're downplaying i mean yeah you were a couple miles you were three or four miles but it was a yeah. five Six hour hike. I mean, it was it, not some. And if it's, yeah, Jack Straw, I mean, that sucks to hike through. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we had to, well, yeah, it was two trips. It was at least two trips, right? To take everything out that we had. We And this is another lesson. It was like, we, we probably went in heavy. And so we couldn't, we didn't think we could get mm -hmm. all the stuff in plus all the meat in one trip. So we're going to shuttle. So then it was mm -hmm. like, okay, let's, the forecast is like snow's going to hit later in the morning and then in the evening it's just going to get nuked. So, should we just get up and hunt the morning or should we just like haul, you know, haul the mail back to the truck and then get back here so that the meat. So it was very meat centric, the decision, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and, I, and we were concerned in hindsight, it felt like a huge mistake. Yeah. To, to, to me too, like if it's going to be a really nasty storm and I know I can't hunt during that storm because let's say visibility is just zero, then I might use that as a time to either move camp or take the meat out because I can't hunt anyway. Okay. Instead of just being sitting in my camp, twiddling my fingers, like I might as well do something. So I might use that time. It was only a couple miles to then take it out. Even though it's going to be miserable while you're hiking because it's yeah. gonna be snowing, it's going to be hard, but like utilize that time that you can't hunt to then take the meat out if you're concerned about it. Otherwise, you know, hunt that morning for sure because it's going to be good. Yeah. Be there ready to hunt after the storm. Cause once the storm breaks, that's when the animals will start moving. They're going to have to feed. They're going to be bedded down during the storm. So like I like storms, but like yeah, knowing what to do again just comes from experience totally. and stuff like that. And knowing your meat's gonna be fine, but using storm, storm coming in that night, you said just primarily that night. Um, I think when we were talking about this around the campfire, the forecast was like that night, but we went to bed and it was like it wasn't there yet. But you could, you know, you could see like the the winds are changing mm -hmm. and yeah. the the clouds are rolling in, and that you can almost feel that cold air, mm -hmm. and so. Um, so you got them packed it out the next morning. Yeah, yeah. We we went back to the truck and then came back one more time. The I mean it's it's definitely sketchy when you're up there and there's like a storm coming in. Yeah, I'd the, probably hunted the morning and then packed it out. That's what I'd have done. The, really? the, the, mm -hmm. the thing with with this group though, only four days, like two two elk downs, a lot of work. Dude, that's insane. it's really nice to have one back to the truck and taken care of. Yeah, but you know, you, is there something to be said about the psychological though, especially with like sure. a newer group? You get to the truck, absolutely, and you're like, all right, guys. We're going right back in. Yeah. Well, you just got to have, I mean, you, you got just get it. it. That's the th <laughs> and we did. And to your point, we didn't, um, you know, not everybody on that team went back out, you know, the evening after we killed, not everybody on the team turned around at the truck and went back to go get the meat. Yeah. So like it was, there were, I would say like rookie type things. I mean, this was like Colorado's or Porter's hunt this year. And, uh, sorry, I already said the state of Colorado, um, <laughs> was, um, you know, that was just one of my goals was like, don't be, don't be the limb fact as we say in the military. Like, don't the be what? the limb fact, the limiting factor. Oh, okay, don't yeah. be the, the thing limb that fact. like, limb fact. I like it. You gave hmm. me a, acronym. yeah, I feel like I'll I take that one back. One. I like the limb fact yeah. <laughs> with your tattoo that you're going to get. Yeah. Limb yeah. fact. <laughs> yeah. I like it. 
So yeah, that was like, I mean, that's like half, more well, than half the motivation. You go back to the, you start talking yourself into back to the truck and then all of a sudden you burn time and then you relocate and then you spend time packing back in somewhere else. And all of a sudden it's day like three or four now, or it was really disappointing. That's why in hindsight, right. And like, to your point, Brady, you're always learning, right? Like I didn't, the one thing that kept ringing in my head was like, you don't leave elk to go find elk. Mm-hmm. You don't leave mm-hmm. elk to find elk. And, and regardless of the decision to pull out because of our like i guess inexperience on how to take care of the meat you know or or you know worried about it maybe something we didn't need to be worried about i knew i knew that we shouldn't be leaving because it was a pretty pressured unit and i was like we're in them and we were as far away from any of the roads as Mm -hmm. we could possibly get and there weren't very many people camping i mean we saw some guys on horseback coming in um and then in hindsight you know we didn't we didn't really turn up any other opportunities for the rest of that hunt and it was like Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Hindsight's yeah, tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've done that plenty of times though. Killed 100%. killed elk, packed an elk out, turn around, bomb right back in. You know, and just it, and it depends on how many pe- how many people you got in your group. You know, and yeah. how much weight you're going to be packing. But but I think Porter said it too though. Like when you are back in the mountains and you're going to go back to your truck, there is something very difficult about turning around. Like maybe <laughs> maybe you guys got all the way back and they're packing that bullet. Like maybe we should go get a hotel tonight. Yep. So now you go get a hotel and you're like, then you hunt that next day. Like, well, we're just going to continue hunting out of the hotel. And now your whole strategy changes because it became so comfortable to be back there when you should have stayed there the whole time. You're already there. Yep. And like just thoughts start creeping in your head about not hunting as hard as the days go on. And like we were talking before the decision was made to really like pull out we were just talking about, do we take the meat back to the truck first or we take like the camp back? Mm. And I remember thinking, no, I'm going to take the, I want to take the meat first. Cause then you have to come back. Like, I think, I mean, even like you did it a couple of times to me, like, like experienced hunters, like, like you guys or Lorenzo, like there is no issue going to the truck and back. Like no one's going to, going to get changed yeah. their mental thoughts. You guys have done it so many times. The newer hunters, there's that psychological all of a sudden they like get back. they, you know, uh, have a couple Pringles. I or, only had that happen one time. I killed a cow elk one time and I packed half of it out, bone in. So I had oh, half, oh. half a cow elk, right? Hind quarter, front quarter, backstrap tenderloin. Uh, I got to my truck and I sat down and I remember this very vividly. I was sitting in the front seat and I was just going, I don't think I'm going back. <laughs> I don't think I'm going back. And I probably sat there for 35, 40 minutes wrestling myself. And I was just like, you know, you have to go back. You know, I have to go back. So then I scrummed through my truck, found a Mountain Dew. I think I found some gummies, gummy yeah. bears. And I was just yeah. like, killed those, sat there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going back. So You're back in, I went back, back and got a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have had it, but. Yeah, hot tip. Keep some keep some Mountain Dew in your truck. I it's guess weird. it's weird the things that I think about that are so different than you guys about like logistics or planning or everything. I mean, Zach and I were talking this weekend just about hunting in Wyoming, for example, and it was like I don't know anything about grizzlies. Like I don't know mm-hmm. anything about being in grizzly country. And the reason I got to this thought was because I remember your guys's hunt where Brady kept telling you it's just one more just one more ridge, but yeah. we're just gonna go right That's over there. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Gonna, he did that right to me and Mather, our film guy, and we we're like, "What the hell is he?" Up so we're getting close. Yeah, yeah. It's just one more bump over, we'll he be did there that for five hours. And then you guys killed. Yeah. And then I think in the video you're like, "We're like six miles ish from camp. camp, not the truck. Yeah, camp. not from camp. the truck. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> No, but there, that, he did that. Like, if you could go did back. Did that help you, like, psychologically? Like, yeah, when, it did. Like, it, if it, back in that situation, if you're ever, like, you, now you're more experienced and you have some newer hunters are with it. Yeah. 
you shouldn't even like you should get one down make sure that meat's okay and then they'll be like how about this pack up it's not gonna be that bad it's you gotta, you gotta talk them yes yeah. comfort people and then you, you you get another one down and you'd be like guys this is gonna suck so but, is, that, is that the same for like grizzlies like should we be worried about well, grizzlies? We, no, like, that's, don't i don't know if you ever heard <laughs> i don't know if you ever heard but like when we were packing on my buck like porter kept saying is there grizzlies around here i'm like oh no no like I was smushing grizzly tracks in the trail, oh, so, they, so they wouldn't see it behind me. I don't want them to be nervous about it. It's like, yeah. we're good. No, that, I, I mean, that's, we're going. that's understandable, right? Like when you're in kind of a iffy situation, there's no reason to add emotion. Yeah, matter our panicking is, is yeah. not going to help the situation. Well, you don't get spun up easily, so no, it's like, no, it's not. not a big deal. But the thing we're talking about before, too, that's like, you can sometimes use darkness as your best friend. Like a lot of people, like not to say everyone's scared of the dark, like when you're out in the mountains, like, yeah, if you're in grizzly country or something like that, maybe you should be a little cautious, but like, Another thing I would do if you're trying to pack an animal and it was going to be warm, I'd pack it out in the dark. Really? Like be, I, I'm, I'm comfortable. That's where experience probably comes into play. I'm comfortable navigating in the dark. I can navigate a map. I can navigate, you know, through the mountains to get down where I need to be. Oh, so like it. instead of wasting a good hunting time, if you were concerned about that, if it was a warm hunt or whatever, yeah. meet, I would utilize darkness because well, you can't hunt and then might as well do I, something productive again. I feel like we have to be super transparent to our audience. If you're going to bring up that Wyoming hunt, there's... I knew where this was you going. Have, where is I can see it developing. About, I prefer in the dark. This is like reading a book. I, I just, <laughs> just want to make sure we're being honest to our audience. Of like, Trill's enjoying this. Was there a shortcut perhaps you tried to take that was not ideal on that hunt? Objection. Well, Le- leaving the, the witness. The way you wanted to go is go down a trail, add more miles that we've never, like it's going to somewhere you've never been to before. I'd rather not go something I've totally never been to. And yeah, we weren't in this area as well, but we tried to go up a little spot that was pretty steep. And then, I mean, your headlamps were also dying. Yeah. I wanted to Yeesh. just, it was already like two in the morning. I was like, we can just camp here. We can start a fire. Well, I go. always wonder why you guys. That was such a sketchy pack yeah. out. You have to admit that pack out was so sketchy. It was. It was so long. It was so brutal. Like Ugh. the miles were brutal. The deer had you know that weird cancer thing on his face or whatever. So like it was stinky as well. So we had a lot of like grizzly attractants on us. But I was comfortable like just camping too. Like we could just camp right there, and not made it back to camp. And you guys were all about we're going to continue to go on the whole whole hike. Had our backup headlamps at camp. Yeah, all the charge bricks were back at camp. Low on water and low on food because we left that morning just going one more ridge. Yeah. I think the thing is, Scott, is it's situational. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you you just got to make small decisions one at a time and just, you know, be safe above all and and just kind of take it from there. Yeah. Go with with your gut. I tell people that a lot. Like, what's your gut telling you? See, there's like, I mean, there's a corollary to flying here as well that, Mm -hmm. that like, I think go with your gut is great advice when you have experience when you have mm-hmm. no experience how do you trust your gut yeah because you don't even it's it's like a kid playing in traffic to yeah, a degree but, it's but, like, in, but in saying that like even innately is there not like some sort of like my gut tells me like, yeah self-preservation <laughs> is part of it right i think i think the corollary to flying it that i was going to make is that like things can snowball so fast yeah and, and it's hard to predict how quickly things can go from bad to worse mm-hmm without any experience. And so I think that either leads people down two paths. You either go ultra conservative where you're like, I'm going to buy no risk or you kind of go Leroy Jenkins and they're like, I'm just going six miles in. You're like, did you bring water? You're like water, dude. Water. What are you? Yeah. We'll find it, dude. Let's go. <laughs> and then you're like, that's also not ideal. Yeah. Um, I don't think you made a massive mistake for the record. Like I think hindsight's 2020, especially now that you're more comfortable back there. You're like, I should have just kept everybody back there and figured it out later. Yeah. Cause we had food, we had shelter and all that. But like at the time, you know, you're a little bit worried about the meat. You had 
Yeah. Well, I mean, legit. it definitely played in this year when we were when you were making your decision about where to go on your elk hunt or your deer. No, your elk hunt this year. Yeah. And you're like, hey, man, we we're gonna go in. I remember when we left the truck, I was like, not coming out. Like <laughs> we're like true. we're going in and like that's it. Yeah. There's yeah when we. And and when we were up there, we were never gonna go back to the truck for supplies and back in. No. Like when you're up there, there's nothing mentally about leaving that is like you ain't coming back. Yeah. Is is there any part of that that was uh is it intimidating at all? Like venturing out into the woods, into the wilderness, you're living off your back. I think so. I mean I mean it, that's part of the for me, that was part of the adventure. You like that? Yeah, that was the fun. Can we can we figure out how to make this work? Gotcha. Even even when I mean, Chris kind of was like, "You're gonna go." When I went scouting by myself mm-hmm. in Colorado, he's like, "You're gonna go scouting by yourself." And we talked this year about me going. I didn't really have anybody that I could go mm-hmm. hunting with this year, so I was gonna buy another over the counter mm-hmm. tag. Before he had asked if I wanted to go with him, and I was like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I'll just go by myself." That was the only point at which I was like, "Man, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet." Like. Could I stay alive? Yes. Could you I? Spent, you'd spent nights before on your own, right? Before totally. The scouting trip? Yep. I think for me, it was more the responsibility of like, could I do everything yeah. mm-hmm. on my own, right? Could mm-hmm. I take care of the meat gotcha. um, by myself? I, you know, I, I wasn't worried that I was going to mm-hmm. do something stupid. But what if you roll an ankle? What if you're like back there or whatever, right? Like, sure. I'm just going to inreach my buddies and be like, hey, buddy. <laughs> Porter. Can you drive to Colorado and yeah. hike in? I'll just hear my wife. Bring a like, horse. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, solo backpack hunt when you're newish. Is it's on my bucket list. Like I'm getting yes. closer. I'm warming up to it. You for got sure. The, 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 actually, both these guys are. They prefer to hunt solo. I try to hunt with them, and they don't, actually don't <laughs> prefer. They don't want anyone around. Really? They like, act, do you guys both? Not, I kind of like having the decisions all to myself. Whatever I want to do tomorrow. If I want to go glasses knob, that knob. I I just told the guy yesterday. I could read this verbatim. He uh he was like, "How much? What do I got to pay to? to I haven't. I didn't kill an elk this year. What do I got to pay to go with me next yeah. year? You know." I you said, can tell people that was my text. But we, we got exchanging messages, and one of the things I said to him, I was like, I don't know, this is going to come out of left field maybe a little bit, but I said, uh, I'm a lot more effective on my own. Yeah, like, I yeah. am a better, no, undoubtedly, I am a better hunter on my own mm. than I am with somebody else. What, I, I typically that, am more successful, and I kill better animals. Yeah. I think it's because the decision-making, it, it just comes down to me. Like, I see, I make a decision, and I go for it. And yeah. I, there's nobody there to, like, talk me out of it, like, hey – don't go that far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I have a little bit of that. Like, oh, I, you know, I try to be responsible, but there's no, there's no like, I mean, initially you're sitting on a hillside, you look at an animal. If you got a buddy, the first thing you do is you turn to your buddy. What do you think? And you guys sit there and you kick back and forth mm-hmm. ideas and you talk about it and you kind of go with it here and there. Um, and sometimes I, I think it leads to like a little bit of self doubt yeah. in me. Cause I'm like, Oh, he might've thought this. I think this, Whereas I'm hunting on my own, like I just, this Go. is what I feel like I should do. You know, I drop a point on a map of where an animal's bedded. Uh, I trust that point because I yeah. made it and I'm going for it. Like there's no question in my mind. I'm just there. And like I slow down. I'm a lot more patient on my own because I don't feel like I'm managing somebody else's expectations. Mm-hmm, or yeah. I'm like, and I don't know if everybody is this way. Camera guys will tell you this. Like I was uh, just about to say. Yeah. I, you, I like what you're known for. Yeah. Like I, I feel. I don't know what I have empath. Maybe, maybe they call it. I feel for people. Like I, I want them to have a good experience. I want them to like feel okay, not be hungry, sleep well, yeah. <laughs> like not be afraid. So like, I feel a lot of that. Whereas if I'm on my own, I don't feel any of it. Like no pressure whatsoever from somebody else and like nursing that along. And I just go and do. Mm-hmm. 
Is that I what was, you're going to say? I was asking, well, I asked Mather, because Mather, yeah. our film guy, hunted with both of you a lot. And I think I asked him when we were in Wyoming. I'm like, is Trail, because you're known to go deep, just like Brady. And I'm like, are they are they real similar to Hunt With? And he's like, no, polar opposites. And I'm like, oh, oh, really? wow. what do go you mean? With, go with it. I'm dying to hunt with Trail. He's a solo guy, though. I'm trying to talk him into some <laughs> sort of tandem. But he, um, I was like, no, Brady is like what he did to us yesterday. One more ridge, one more ridge. Slightly tricking you, but still ethical, right? Like, he's going to just go hard. Trail, he's like every hundred yards stops. You okay, bud? You good on water? Not every hundred yards. You're carrying Matt trail. Matter said wow, you are spot. absolute Papa Trail. That's, yeah, that's, that's probably why you like kids. Uh, that's why yeah. you like to hunt solo. Is like yeah. you're not having to worry about. Yeah, I don't feel any of that. Yeah, and, and and I think I'm more effective. So I I would be interested if you decide to bite the bullet and go for it. If you if you feel if you come back kind of feeling a little bit of that. Yeah. Cause, and I like to hunt with people. I think it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's a good time. It's like a different experience, but like if I'm going out and I'm like, I'm here to kill and I'm here to kill the best possible animal yeah. that I can mm-hmm. find, like mm-hmm. I'm more effective on my own. That was advice I gave him. I don't know if he loved it or not, but I was like, you might think about it. He's like, uh, D- I've never had an elk tag trail. Anyway, Brady, same for you or different? Oh, hundred percent the same. Yeah. Like I would like what trail said is spot on. Every decision is my own. I can go if I want to just sleep right there. I can sleep right there. If I want to go hike all night to get back to my camp, I will hike all night to get back to my camp. The other good thing is if you do screw up, you don't know. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. It's like, huh, I don't know. He wasn't there when I got there. Bummer. And the only thing I've ever done, like when I have Luke with me all the time, I do have to ask him sometimes, like, if this is too sketchy, do let me know and we will make some alternative decisions. But like, I will, we're going to drop off this cliff. We're going to cross this freaking river. We're going to climb up the other side and another cliff. Like if you're uncomfortable at any time, let me know so we can just divert the plan right away because this is my plan. This is what I would do if you weren't here. Yeah. Hmm. And so like if he says no, what am I going to do? You're still going. He's like, just oh, not well, we're filming, so we have to. <laughs> then, oh, bye. So if he, yeah. says, if he says no, that's going to impact how I'm going to go kill this animal. And that's yeah. what, sometimes a hard part to deal with. But it's like I love hunting with people because it's fun, but I would much rather hunt by myself. Yeah. I, so like, I can, trail, like, I can target a specific animal i can just go after it i can play it slow if i need to i can go fast like and don't have that same like the weighing decisions like oh maybe we should maybe we should give them till tomorrow yeah well what if i would have went today to try to kill that animal would i have killed it less less variables that makes what, sense. Do you, what do you like about hunting um what i think you? the challenge and the complexity of it for me at this point is is it's intoxicating hmm. and i didn't appreciate it enough in 2020. I think this year, I heard you say about your hunt this year, it's the most fun you've ever had without killing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hands down. Because we, I mean, we saw a lot. Of, we saw a lot of bulls. We saw a lot of action. So I like, I like going in with a complete unknown and then mm-hmm. coming out with, um, you know, whatever we, whatever we made happen or mm-hmm. didn't. I mean, I, I felt bad not tagging out with him. He wanted it so bad. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's just the competitive side of me. That's like, yeah. I mean, why, I why are you out there if job, you don't want right? to? Like, yeah. we're here. Like, let's let's that's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Right. Yeah, and I, I was that. I was for sure. I was. I mean, Nate's here. He can he can back it up or not. But I mean, last day I was like, what's wrong with that one? What's wrong with that one? What's wrong with that one? What's wrong with <laughs> yeah, that one? Yeah, you got around in the park? Yeah. Wait, you're not out of ammo, are you? Like, what are you, what are you, <laughs> <laughs> you new to this? You want me to? Yeah. You want me to chamber around for you? It's fine. Let me set the rifle up. Then that's just that's not just to like kill to kill it was it's really just the difference in like you have the expertise and the experience to like you you know where you're out to get that time and you had a standard and you were going to up you know stick to that 
you know, it's not that I just wanted to see death. Like, I think that's what like Nate said or something. You're like, Scotty just wanted something dead. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Like, I'm little not. Nate did too. Yeah. Little he was, Nate. I mean, he was definitely poking me and he was yeah. just like, dude, and I was like, I know, man. Like, <laughs> it's more just about like getting experience of walking up on an animal and like, yeah. you know, no, taking care of the sure. meat and packing it out and not holding anything. So you I mean, get I, that whole other experience. There's really nothing that I've come across that I dislike at this point. Like, the challenge is worth it. I make some mistakes. I ha- I hate it when I make a dumb mistake. Like I I screwed my feet up this first day out the gate. Right. Oh, this is this is a great tip. It's so stupid. It's like embarrassingly stupid. So I I have my you know Scarpa's uh, the the self proclaimed. What's he's got on? Put your feet up here. Oh jeez. There it is. The squats and <laughs> just his squats. These bad yeah. boys. Those but those bad boys. So got those 200 grams insulation, got those last season, put a bunch of miles on with you and Colorado mm-hmm. and, you know, and Chris, I mean, I guess it wasn't that much, but it was also the same boot I wore on my hunt in Colorado earlier that year. So I felt great. They were broken in, you know, I, I've been training, hadn't done a lot of rucking leading into that hunt. But what I remember was that like this, the insole, the insole that comes with that has started to get worn out on my left, on my left foot. So two days before the hunt, I went and bought insoles. Pop put some him, Dr. Scholl's in there. Put him, put him <laughs> in. Hadn't like walked with him at all. And it was like two days before the opener. We did a super mild mile and a half, two mile, whatever it On was. On a horse trail. We were scouting. Super. And maybe I was walking too fast because like juices were flowing. We we're just excited mm-hmm. or whatever. From the truck to the top, when we sat down on the top, I go, does anybody have a first aid kit? And Porter's like, what? And I was like, <laughs> and you guys have already right heard away. my whole like, don't be a lymphac. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it took me 10 minutes to get the courage up to just be like, can I see somebody's first aid kit? My heels were bleeding. Like, like, and he was in those boots. That heel is so hard. Yeah. I think I only raised my ankle like mm-hmm. half a millimeter, but it worked my mm-hmm. ankles. And we didn't turn anything up for a couple you basically of days. Over a road, all of the breaking in you had done, right? Yep. It was like a re. Yeah, it was a it. brand new boot and to we, your feet. As soon as we got back to the truck, I ripped them out. I ripped the insoles out. So I was furious. So that because, hurts. Because I'll tell you, because it waterfalled. And then when we were hiking oh, all God. the way in on that five mile hike or whatever, you start compensating for your heels being jacked up. And then my hip flexors start yep. hurting, right? And oh, yeah. you do all this training, you do all this preparation to get in there. It's so easy to mentally let that one mistake compound. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like, that's the one thing I know I need to work on is that like, you know, like when something doesn't happen the way you want, whether you make a bad decision to pull out or it's the right decision or whatever, or you do something dumb like that, let it go. Like move on, like let's keep it. Let's he keep was it so mad because he didn't. He's so sensitive about holding us back, yeah. and he didn't hold us back at all. We threw him up on a knob, my and, knob, uh, Scotty's knob, <laughs> and he was highly productive and efficient. He didn't need to hike around, but his feet were. It was the worst I've seen. They were torched, Ouch. torched. But, but that, again, that hurts. you know, lesson learned. We'll not do that again. Mm-hmm. Sure. From here on out. Yeah, we've had you for what two hours. Two hours, Scotty. That went quick. You have any other questions for us? I mean, I could pick your guys' brain for another hour, but uh, Chris is probably like, dude, take one. This is yeah, take 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 another one. We got time. What do you got? If you got one, um, yeah, I was thinking about these on the way down here. So I guess from from maybe from a mule deer Jesus perspective, and then like a an archery, everything, everything (laughs) perspective. I, we have to dive into this. Not true. Further. Not true. I, I wildly respect. Do you want to sit beer. down in my office? We can have a little chat. Yes, we need a counseling session. Um, we have a couch. 
if you guys, because uh, you are talking to someone that's four years into this, what would you say, what would be maybe the top one or two things that you would say focus on this process in order to be a better killer, like in the wherever, backcountry or whatever? Is there even something that you could boil down to that level? I mean, we talk about a lot is animal biology. Okay. It literally comes down to me is knowing what an animal does, what they need to survive in the mountains, what their daily needs are, not just a weekly needs, what does it need that day? What does that animal need tomorrow? And just learning how animals move through the mountains, learning just everything you can about what makes an animal tick, why they do what they do constantly throughout the year. And it's a change of seasonality. Like what you, when you go out on your scouting trip in the summer, what that elk is doing, I'm going to say elk because he's an elk guy, okay? But I would have said mule deer trail. Okay. Like, nice. what's he going to do in the summer is going to be different than what's he going to do in September, what's he doing do in October, what's he doing in November. Like, all that stuff changes and you're starting to understand how you can use that in your e-scouting, how you can use that in whatever, shooting prep, like, all that practice, like, poor, like, on his hunt, should have, you know, practiced getting up, leaning against something, yeah. like, knowing those situations are going to arise based on these bulls are going to be in the thick timber, it's going to be thick, it's not going to be the open, not going to be a lay down at the range, like, learning what an animal does every single day, I think, is something that, you know, it's rooted in science for a reason. Like, you can trust animal science and biology. If you can learn a bunch of that stuff, you could take that and just become a better hunter because then you, I think you're giving a leg up on your experience because yeah. you, re- you can read. You can consume it 24-7, 365. You can read a book, dive into biology. I think biology reports are key to me. Like, I love that side of it because I have a biology background, but I think, I think a lot of people don't take that into account. Like, oh, it's going to need to... You, know, you can read about a hunt story all the time about how someone was successful, but it's like, well, probably came down to he kind of knew what the animals were doing, when they were doing, how to like think ahead of the animal. Like, oh, he got pressure. Where are they going to go? How to react to that when you're out in the field? You can only know that by knowing what animals do. Yeah. That's a great answer. I would say always play the win. <laughs> First and foremost, mm. you'll never, never be Nelk's nose. So always play the win. Uh, I would also kind of lean into Brady's answer, uh, just animal behavior and maybe take it a little bit further and say, when I'm out there and I'm looking at animals or I'm looking in a landscape, think strategically, like where is the most likely spot for an elk to be and why? And then if I find that elk, like why is that elk going the direction he's going and where is he most likely to be tomorrow? Um, you know, think strategically. So like, as you're out there, you're processing and you're looking at like, what is, what is the thing that I'm going to have to do to kill that elk? So if, I mean, if that elk is calling and he's bugling, um, you know, maybe I can use that to my advantage if they're not calling, but you're still seeing elk, like what kind of things can I do to still put myself in a position to get an archery shot? So if that's sitting water or wallow or an ambush point, uh, I would say just, yeah, constantly be thinking like strategically, how do I get within range of that animal um, and utilize whatever behavior they've got going on kind of to your advantage. Uh, this is kind of a dumb answer, but it's probably the the most, probably these two actually I think are the most, the, the things that I think I'm probably best at. Um, just getting up and going, just going. Hmm. So like I don't ever miss a morning. You know, I hunt till dark, after dark, hike back to camp in the dark. There's so many times that you can talk yourself into like, well, I'm going to be back to camp, you know, before it gets too dark because I don't want to risk the chance of, you know, falling or whatever. Or, oh, I'm kind of tired today. I'm going to sleep in, you know, I'm not going to make the hike up to that knob. It's really easy to like talk yourself out of those things. But the, the thing I use, just my own personal motivation, I say this all the time, 
like I'm going to spend probably 300 days a year behind my desk at my computer. I sure as shit I'm going to get up when I'm out in the woods because that is my opportunity. That is my one chance to get up and like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to stay out no matter what. Uh, and just like go for it. Yeah. Like you have to have you legitimately, I think to be successful year in, year out, you have to have a very like go for it attitude. Like I'm going to go for it. You have to be just super determined. Uh, and then time, like to be a consistently good archery hunter, I think you just have to have consistent days in the field. I would tell people like if you're trying to do a weekend hunt, great. If that's the most time you can get, but if you can get like eight, 10 days, get the most time that you can consecutively. Cause it might take you a long, you know, four or five, six, seven days to figure those animals out before you can actually put yourself into a position. So I don't know if those are, that's where I would say though. Mm-hmm. The mental side I think is really huge. Time mental. Yeah. Yeah. If you could do four days break, four days, would you do that or six straight days? Six, Six straight. straight. I agree. That was something I learned. That was genius. some of those Nevada like deer tags. Yeah, where they're not that. It's like two hour drive, three hour drive. You get it's so easy to talk yourself into like. Oh, I bet. Thursday to Sunday. Thursday to Sunday. Oh, Every time you game, come back, yeah, it's like a you got to. Yeah, spend you're starting all over again. Yeah, yeah. especially for elk because they move so much. Yeah. You know, and then I think I've been a lot more successful when I've moved with the animals. You know, kind of moving, living with them, staying out there, and just the more time that you're in close proximity, you're putting eyes on them and you're figuring out a way to cut the distance, the more effective you are. You just keep at it. Keep yeah, it's at like it, reps and sets, right? Reps, just reps, keep... reps. Yeah. And you'll see people like they'll end up spending the same amount of PTO days by taking a Thursday, Friday off, Thursday, Friday throughout like a, you know, September elk season where they're better off just taking a week and saying, I don't care if this is only an hour from my house. I am not coming back. Yeah. I have seven days and I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just commit to the moment and stay in it. Time in the field is critical. Well, I'm sorry we didn't get to the bottom of the alien debacle. You're really hoping, on. You're, I but know you're holding out. I, I know. It. You know what? The first time I walked, I met Scott, Air Force pilot. He's like, third question, have you seen an alien? And he's like, I was eh, like, no, have you? And no. He's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I knew he was lying straight away. I'm like, this guy's seen if one. If seen one, you've definitely seen you've one. You've seen one. Well, I know this is just like Tuesday for you guys, but this was really fun for me. So thanks Scott, for this is awesome. Thanks for humoring mm-hmm. me and Man, let me learn from you I guys. I really appreciate it. Dude, how many years of hunting experiences at this table? I'm not kidding me. What, 30, <laughs> 40? I don't know. I'm old. <laughs> I'm getting oh, old. 10 yeah. years. <laughs> A lot. Do you guys want to hear a funny story about getting old real quick? And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So I've been trying to, I, I, I've been pretty good about working out, right? New year, new me. The last few days, this is kind of funny, but the last few days I was just like, oh, I'm just going to do like a 20 minute, 30 minute workout in my basement, right? Before work. So mm-hmm. pull up the YouTube, Google it, 15 minute workout, right? So the first one is just like this gal and it's just like your basic calisthenics. Okay. And it's like, you know, squat, jump, twist, the full thing. So I'm like 10 seconds into it and I'm like doing this thing. And I was like, holy shit, when did I get this uncoordinated? <laughs> like I could not believe it. And then I'm, the next thing I noticed, I'm starting to look like windows in my basement. Like who could possibly see me right now? <laughs> oh, God. Because this is so embarrassing. So that was like a moment where I was like, okay, I'm definitely getting old. But What color leotard were you wearing when you were doing Hot pink. Hot pink. Yeah, yeah, unicorn down the side. In your defense, if it's something you haven't done in a long time. Oh, my gosh. Look, you'll, and you'll get sore, and you'll be like, oh, I should not be sore from couldn't that. Couldn't go down the like, stairs. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I am getting old. but um, Yeah, but we appreciate you coming. Well, thank you, guys. Thank Seriously. you, Glass. That Thanks, was awesome. Scott. That was awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andy King. <laughs> With that, we're out. <laughs>